Hey friends, welcome to the Diving Deep Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Hahn, the curator of the Between Two Clouds Project. Co-host is Scott Kowalczyk, ghostwriterx.com. He's a very talented illustrator. He's worked with uh, Marvel and DC Comics. I definitely recommend you check out his stuff. Uh, and the guest that we have today for the Diving Deep Podcast, or I guess we had two months ago when we recorded it, is Matthew Dickens. Matthew Dickens is a stuntman and writer. He has a book coming out called Huck. Uh, really groovy guy. Um, somebody that I really enjoy speaking to each time. He has a very uh, specific demeanor and way of talking that's enjoyable. And it ended up being a very rewarding podcast. It was really enjoyable doing it. I do recommend that first, it starts off pretty slow, 20, first 20 or 30 minutes. But I do highly recommend keeping through to uh, get to the good stuff because it does get to some really interesting places and it teaches us a lot about Hollywood and why being a stuntman is so, I guess, important or why that entire role is important. And I learned a lot about that and I grew a pretty fond appreciation of it. So without further ado, let's get into it. Matthew Dickens. said conversation from right there yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, Se- no segue right segue right into that well i mean no context i mean <clears throat> I, I that's the thing right like when you are living with somebody like there is that point where you do have to disappear and when you disappear you are like taking a shit 100 <laughs> percent. yeah or pretending to i don't know why you'd pretend to well i mean i mean you could do both i imagine you could also turn the shower on and cry a little bit like, you're taking a shower <laughs> like, like, honey, what were you doing in there? Not shitting, but you're in there for so long. There's a comedian that has an <laughs> incredible joke about that. Really? It's it's phenomenal. Yeah, he's a local comic too out of Wilmington, and name is Tyler Dees. Very very funny. Uh, and he's talking about there's a guy that came out of a stall. He's like, yeah, people are weird. A guy came out of the stall. Uh, after being there for like 10, 15 minutes when he really had to go. And, and the guy comes out, he's like, don't worry, I wasn't shitting or nothing. <laughs> oh, it's good. And uh, and then Tyler's like, uh, then what the fuck were you doing for 10 or 15 minutes? Like that's, that's the most worrying thing you could tell me is that you weren't shitting. And then, so then the joke keep, keeps going. And uh, he's like, yeah, of course I would think masturbating. So I go in there. <laughs> And I spent like 10 minutes really checking the place out. Yeah, it's a crime Really scene. seeing if, if he was masturbating. <laughs> With his black and, light. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's no. like really looking it out. And then he concludes, this guy wasn't masturbating. And then 10, 15 minutes go by and he comes out. And a guy's there. And he's like, don't worry, I wasn't taking a shit or anything. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, ah, oh, fuck, I get it. <laughs> Damn. What it's a good a, joke, man. It's a Twilight Zone episode, essentially. Yeah, exactly. yeah another shout out to Tyler D. out of Wilmington. Very funny. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to book him more soon. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, so I want to enter the show so people know who's speaking. This is Matthew, uh, otherwise known as Between Two Clouds. 
then Scott. Scott, Scott Kowalczuk, uh, I guess ghostwriterx.com. Do we do that? Yeah, we yeah, should do, do that, that from the get-go. Yeah, so Scott is a... Uh, what, what the hell do you do? What do you call <laughs> it's, an illustrator? It's a wonderful Make question. comic books? <laughs> yeah, mostly comic books, transitioning into, I think, animation film. Who knows? Who the fuck knows at this point? He draws things, and he's very good at it. Apparently. He's a groovy Canadian. We'll, I don't know. we'll leave it at that. Groovy seems like an overstatement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and, and then uh, our guest today is... Matthew Dickens. Matthew Dickens. What does Matthew Dickens Dickens do? Well, I'm a writer and I'm a stuntman. A writer and a stuntman. Yeah, that's a weird combination. As soon as you said that, you put on an English accent. You you told me once that somebody thought you were English and that was a total English accent. I do not get it. I think it's because I've I've done a lot of public speaking. Sure. And uh, I'm also multilingual. um, So, but no one's going to speak Hebrew. What are you multilingual in? Hebrew, Greek, and Latin. I for sure thought you were going to say English and Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> I did study. I did. I did do a little bit of study of um, the Sh- uh, Shakespearean OP dialect, but that's determined on regional dialects. So there's no real. Okay, you have to break. There was a word in there that I've never heard before. Shakespeare o- OP dialect. OP dialect. Original pronunciation. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's oh, a, it's a whole. Yeah. It's a. It's a. It's a thing. <laughs> the word me. that I didn't know were the letters O and P. Yeah. I was like, I don't know that word, OP. I have no clue. Never heard that one. They actually send linguists to this island off of the coast of Virginia where they supposedly still speak the original Elizabethan language to study really? the, the indigenous people there. Or the, what do you, you don't want to call them indigenous because hell, they, they were original colonists. You yeah. know, they, they threw everybody off their fucking land. So All I picture. Well, am, am I allowed to say fucking? Oh, yeah. absolutely. I'm pretty sure I broke that. Okay. Full open communication related to my brand. Okay. All right. The island I pictured was the one from The Prisoner, the TV show. With <laughs> oh the, yeah, with the big floaty yeah, balls. I remember that, that show. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was this. It was a secret agent that got thrown onto an island, and it, uh, yep. to to keep the inhabitants on the I re- island. I remember that. They show. were all numbered, and they had these giant. What is his name again? Um, I don't remember the character's name. I think it was Richard McGonagall. He had a, was the actor. The, the Prisoner. Was but the he had a show. number in the show. Six, he was, he was, six. Yeah, he had a number. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And that was the name of the show? The Prisoner. Prisoner. Yeah. The prisoner? Yeah, yeah it was actually really pretty popular. So the like the the guards at the island were these giant floating, like, uh, imagine a beach ball that has not enough air in it. And oh, dear God, don't say beach ball. Don't say beach ball. Why? Oh, shit. No? Is that what it does? That's a, that's a, no, no mind. That's, that's another story. It's about a, it's a date. I call it the beach balls incident. Okay, that's, that's a good segue. Let's hear oh, the beach God, balls. This no. is a personal story? Oh, yeah, it's a personal story. <laughs> Man. <laughs> so this, this is just like a woman with huge cans. 100%. This is all that we're talking about now. It's good. That, that's, I think that should be, okay. um, talking huge cans. I met Matthew this Dickens. girl. <laughs> I shouldn't say girl, but you know that's the colloquialism, the vernacular of of guys. She's like a woman us. and not like a she young was a child. woman. Okay, she was a woman. She was not a child. Okay, um, <laughs> that's too much. Met her online. My first clue that I was in trouble should have been the Vogue quality photos on her profile. Oh, were they like Vaseline lens? That was. Oh, she. The photos looked like something out of a magazine. Okay. Yeah. And that should have been my first clue to run. Yeah. Or to turn off the computer to never have contact, but, you know, not hormones being what they are as a man, wanted to know more, had to know more, (laughs) had to go a little bit deeper into the information, no pun intended, maybe a little, but 
Not really. Um, Go as deep as you want. <laughs> this, this whole podcast is called Diving Deep. <laughs> yeah, it. it is. Well, no, we, we spoke on the phone. We had a conversation a couple of times over the phone, and I was a little antsy about it. She didn't really come across as a, a great conversationalist. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to choose my words here carefully. Yeah. I'm on a podcast. So. Now, now, this was, she, yeah, you, you, were, you were texting with her or you were talking to no, her? No, we, we were actually having real conversations. Oh, wow. On old the telephone. School. Yeah. yeah, old school. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Who does that anymore? I, you can't hardly you find guys. anybody that wants to have a damn phone conversation anymore. Everybody wants to text you so they can ghost you later if they, yeah. if they want. <laughs> was, yeah. was it just a lot of racial slurs or what was No, she? no. She was just, she was, <laughs> she didn't have a lot to say that was engaging. Okay. Uh, okay. We'll, we'll leave it at that. But I agreed to go out with her. Give it, give us a like, give us one conversation topic. Like, she talked yeah. about bread a lot. She made sure that I knew that she had had breast augmentation. Wow, that's she a, that's made very sure early. that I knew that she, yeah, she that was one of the topics that she spoke about the most. And she never failed to remind me throughout so, the course of the conversation. So you, you'd be asking, like, so, uh, yeah, what'd you eat today? And she's like, let me tell you, I got, I got bigger tits now. Exactly. You <laughs> let me tell you on the money. Like, how's your, how's your on the money? How's your day going? It's like, on the well, money. these tits are still fake. <laughs> on the money, exactly. Well, we. Agree. How, how is that sandwich? How do these look? Like, is not. There's no connection between those yeah. two at all. It's like, no matter what you ask, it's like, oh, how's your father doing? He's in the hospital. Well, he's. He's doing horrible, but these tits are <laughs> worth about 12 grand. See, I, I like your version exactly. of her, which is like she just talks about them. My version is like she's grabbing herself. Like she's kind of like well, bursting because I have more respect for women, Scott. <laughs> that's, entirely re- that's entirely reasonable. Well, we agreed to meet. Um, we set the date at this place called, um, uh, shit, what's the name of it? It's over there near Crabtree Valley Mall. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was the place she got her tits done. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just um restaurant. What's on the upper deck? Oh god. Brio. Mm. Brio. And um so I'm standing by the valet stand up on the parking deck and I see this white SUV pull in behind us beside this other car. And I knew she was going to be tall. Uh, she had told me that she was very tall, so forth. So I was expecting that. And breast augmentation. <laughs> I was expecting that. Those are your two cues as to who this person. <laughs> Those are my cues. Uh, and she supposedly had this really long, flowing blonde hair and so forth. And again, Vogue quality photos yeah. on her profile. <laughs> so <clears throat> I see this person get out of the vehicle and the other car that she has parked beside it has, you know, basically obscured most of her face and body from view. <laughs> and she comes around the back end. She comes around the back end of that vehicle. And I just stare. And I'm like, dear God, please do not let that be her. Oh, no. Yeah. I just honestly stared at her. I stared (laughs) and kept praying, dear God, please don't let that be her. Yeah. Then she started waving. Oh, no. She started waving because she recognized me from a distance because I actually looked like my photos. I could see from a distance her face. Looked nothing like her photos. And your her. photos were all taken very far away. For the distance <laughs> yeah, that's why. Like, that was your thing. Just so you could, just so you could avoid that moment when you're in a parking lot and they don't know who you are. Like, well, exactly. I know what he looks like up close. <laughs> you, like, you care so much. That's him from about you, 25 You take care feet. of that social situation up front. Well, <clears throat> her hair was bobbed. It was, it was short. I mean, it was short. It looked nothing like the photos. Her face, 
Even the closer she got to me, her face looked nothing like her photos. <laughs> but she was waving at me. Like, <laughs> she had a five o'clock I, shadow. I looked behind <laughs> me to make sure she wasn't waving at somebody behind yeah. me. And I was like, oh, fuck. That's my happen? date. But here's the, here's the catch. Right. Her breasts were literally the size of beach balls. <laughs> I fucking kid you not. I'm not exact. I'm a writer, okay? Oh, it's one of those where it's like they're actually so big that it's... They are so huge. Yeah. yeah. And I, I feel like I'm padding the information here by telling you this, but every time I tell this story, people look at me like, you're lying. Yeah. There's, she had nothing but a white leather vest that looked like a bikini top <laughs> containing these things. And it was this strap that went around her neck. It's like this single strap that went around her neck. I kid you not. I swear to God, if that had snapped, it would have leveled small children and old people in her way. Been like it, the, blo- the blob. It would, and- it, w- it would have seriously did damage to people. <laughs> I'm not shitting you. And she was wearing these very ill-fitting jeans. Sure. Midriff. Um, I want to be respectful because I know body shaming is a thing today and people don't want to be body shamed. But she was wearing very ill-fitting jeans. We're not going to body shame you. <sighs> Please don't. Um, that she should not have been wearing. Yeah. It was really bad. Mm. I mean, so, it was so, really, there, so was a, she, there was a lot hanging out. So what did she look like? There was like? a lot of spillage. Because all I'm picturing is like, um, like she an, was like, very tall. Like I'm picturing like an Anna, Anna Nicole Smith with like a Michael Matson face. Yes. <laughs> that's a, that's an apt description. Um, <laughs> Can that be? She was very tall and she was still wearing stiletto heels. I'm sure. Thinking, yeah. Did she have Michael Matson's voice? Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. I want that to be the picture. Oh, oh dear God. Show. We'll get to that in a minute. Is um, well, she's walking toward me and she really is dressed like no self respecting biker chick would dress going to the worst strip club oh, in the world. Oh, got it. Okay. It's just, it's how bad. is How is the date? I'm getting to it. Okay. Just hold on. Bro. Yeah. How long have you so been we're at together? Brio. <laughs> I'm dressed at this, I'm dressed decently enough. I'm wearing, you know, something appropriate for the venue, okay? Now I had already the exact put, same thing that she was wearing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I had already put my name in, and the hostess knew that I was basically on a blind date, so forth and so on. And when she sees me walk in with my date, mind you, I wanted to run. Yeah, I wanted to run. I didn't. I didn't want to go through with the date. But all I hear in the back of my head is my mother's voice saying, "Matthew, always be nice. Yeah, always be nice." It's weird that you brought your mom with you. To be the voice in the back. In the back of my head, Matthew, always be nice. And I said to myself, the next time I see you, mother, we're going to have a very long conversation. Yeah. All I pictured was was your mom in the booth behind you, like kind of like feeding you lines. Exactly. Just be nice. Like, mom, you got got to go. Well, (laughs) I just honestly, I have a hard time being mean to people. And I'm not trying to be mean now and describing this date, but um, it was bad. She really burned her bridge to another date the moment she stepped out of the car. Um, it also sounds kind of sexy. I mean, it's a, they, like the, like the way that you told the story is just like oh, it's kind oh, of we, sexy. We're not done yet. Oh, okay, oh we're just getting started. So I oh good. This I walk into the restaurant with her, and the hostess is obviously very bored. So she looks at us and she immediately cracks a smile. It's like I'm going to have fun with you. If you've ever been to Brio, you can see the layout is pretty simple. There's the kitchen on this side, it's open. I've had and then there's tables the and stuff right here. Our table was a hard left from the hostess stand, okay? 
It was a hard lift. She proceeded to take us down past the kitchen, yeah. all the way around the outskirts of the other tables, and then back up to our table. In other words, she paraded us around Damn right the did. entire yeah. fucking restaurant and then sat us at our table. You and I thought to myself, we could have made a hard left right from the host. What the fuck? Yeah. But no, I knew what she was doing the moment she did it. And I was like, I'm totally fucked tonight. <laughs> I'm totally screwed. The waiter comes over. That is granted the reaction you want on a first date. Yeah. The waiter comes over. Maybe. And he looks like know. he wants to bust a gut, but he also looks like he has an, a, a moment of pity for me because he knows I, I've, I've been screwed. Because no man in his right mind would go out with somebody looking like this and dressed like this. Basically like something from the World Wrestling Federation, the way she... I'm sure somebody would. Yeah, yeah probably. Um, they probably thought that I paid for my date. <laughs> and I was paying for my date. It's true. Um, but um, for the next hour... <laughs> she we, re- we just totally glossed over that. It's just like, no, Matthew, like 100% pays for sex. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> for the next hour, she regales me with her love for country music and the beach constantly. I just sit there. Maybe that's where she got the inspiration for her breasts. That's her love of the beach. And I have no idea, but we're, I'm sitting there basically catatonic the yeah. whole date, just waiting for it to be over. Please, God, let this be over soon. And in my desperation, I made a mistake. Uh-oh. Oh, Huge goodness. mistake. Made out with now, me. we're at Crabtree, right? And I'm thinking, I can come up with a good excuse to end this. Yeah. But in my desperation, I asked the wrong question. Oh, no. I said, is there anywhere else you want to go? Whoops. Oh, goodness. Fucking bad mistake. Yeah. She said, well, you know, I do have this gift card to Victoria's Secret that I would like to (laughs) (laughs) Baby, at that point, you got to dive in. There's no stop. There's no stop in that train. You you do it for the I shit you not. I looked at her like, there was a long pause of silence. Yeah. Sure. And I couldn't even believe it came out of my mouth. Yeah. I just wanted to get us out of the restaurant yeah. and end the date. Yeah. And end it. I was doing anything I could to end it. Yeah, but you, I was instead you got her into lingerie. You took her lingerie shop. I walked her to the store. Yeah. I stood out in front of the entrance. Yeah. And this woman proceeded to hold up stuff that she could not possibly even get a leg yeah. into. Sure. And ask me what my opinion was across the store. What was your opinion? I, I ignored her. <laughs> I tried my best to pretend like I didn't even know this person because I'm feeling not only bad for her yeah, because it's just a train wreck. Yeah. Not only do I feel bad for her, I'm, I'm thinking, God, somebody needs to tell her this is, this is, not, this is not a good way to, yeah. to, to live. This well, is not a good way to interact with people. Well, this kind of deception, it's not good. Not only do you yeah. not look like your photo, Oh, you felt deceived. Oh, God, yes. See, I just assumed the so whole it was time like you were just... Dis- so that was probably the biggest issue, really, is that they presented themselves a certain way. Hell yeah. And then they I came mean, out a different way. Like, she looked nothing, absolutely dishonesty. nothing like her photo. Nothing. The only thing that was true about her was she was tall yeah. and that her breasts were humongous. Well, I mean, really. I mean, they literally sat on the table. Yeah. When she sat down, her breasts rested on the table. I've known, I shit you not. I've known guys I'm like I'm not that. kidding you. Yeah. yeah. I've, known I've never seen guys it. Like I, I, You can't enjoy that. You'd yeah. be smothered by that. I mean, that would kill you. 
If yeah. you put your face between that, it would it would kill you. I've 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 heard that it's a kind little of bit thing. of yeah, a little bit of oxygen deprivation is fun. <laughs> yeah. But no, um, I'm trying to suffocate. To needless death. needless to say, there was not a second date. Um, I walked her to her car. I said, "Nice to meet you." She said, "Well, let's do this again." I said, "Well, let's not." <laughs> that's fair. That's you, exactly. What I said, straight up. Let's not. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the nice thing to do. Is to be honest. Yeah. So, yeah. It, so it kills that bridge. So like, okay, I can move on with yeah. my life to another space. I mean, she probably was confused by like how severely aroused you were after the Victoria's <laughs> Secret. It's just like, he's yeah. saying no, but you know, like- Honestly, I did not expect her to, <laughs> to take me up on the offer. I don't know why. I was just desperate to yeah. get us out of the restaurant yeah. because it felt like every eye was upon us. Every eye was upon us yeah. because it was definitely a circus sideshow. Um, it's so. like Elvis is just reeled in this elephant <laughs> and- a white whale, maybe, because she was wearing that white vest. Yeah. No, well, I, I, I'm not really kidding. There was nothing though. else under that white vest. It looked like a bikini top because of the size of her breasts. Mm. They were so large. It it looked like a bikini top. She it, was just showing you what what she thought you wanted. Well, I all I know so. is that you're still single. So, yes, I am still single. <laughs> you know, there, there's there's probably a reason for that. So, can we, we reach back out to her? Like yeah, maybe, I think maybe, let's, let's, let's bring her on the podcast. Maybe have, during I this have, hour. I have no idea where that person we is. Can so. call her. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to leave it that she way. She can't be that hard to find. <laughs> that's going to probably not. That's going to be the thing. Like, she's going to walk in. Like, oh like we rearranged that. Please don't do that to me. Like, you didn't Please know don't do that to <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, one day I'm doing something like that. One day. So, uh, so we heard that story. Oh let's God. wrap back around to. How did you fall into being a stuntman? Uh, when I was a kid, my one of my favorite movies was Hooper, Burt Reynolds. Okay. Um, it was, you know, it was the production of Hal Needham. Hal Needham is a very, very um, well-known stuntman within the stunt community. Now, he's not a household name as far as the average person goes like Burt Reynolds is. But when Scott and I went and saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, um, Tarantino's new movie, that movie, the relationship between Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth, uh, is the relationship between Burt Reynolds and Hal Needham. Um, and that was one of uh, Tarantino's major inspirations for those characters. And Hal Needham is a guy, um, he was one of the founders of Stunts Unlimited, along with Glenn Wilder and Ronnie Rondell. And this guy, Hal Needham, he, he's, the, he's the shit. He's the real deal. He's the guy that really thumbed his nose at Hollywood and the system in Hollywood and became a director. He directed Smokey and the Bandit. Smokey and the Bandit was one of the biggest movies of all time when it was released. It made tons of money. My dad nearly bought that Trans Am too. So I, I got a hand-me-down car from my parents. That was my first parents. It was a, it was a 77 Buick Skylark. Mm. And it was a terrible car. It was too big. <laughs> it had this big back end on her. Uh, and it was a tank. Oh, it's just it just it never worked properly. And I found out years later, my dad's original choice was uh, the Trans Am right. with the Eagle. Like he right. he'd found the one with the Eagle. He was right. just like, that's the one I got to have. Right. And my mom was just like, no, 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 no. Like it's only two door. Like there's no room to have kids. She wanted kids <laughs> for some fucking reason. And what the this, the Skylark ended up being a two vehicle, a two door vehicle. So mm -hmm. just as like awkward as a Trans Am, but I didn't get a Trans. I didn't get the smoking the Bandit Trans Am. <laughs> bullshit. Oh, uh, you should bullshit see the. On uh, they had they had had a special edition that came out a few years ago, and uh, Burt Reynolds actually uh, his signature is on some of the limited edition. That car is beautiful. 
Was, it's, he, was it, he asked to sign that, or was it by yeah, accident? Yeah, he, um, yeah, he, uh, <laughs> he participated in, in this um, it's Reynolds promotional thing. thing that they were doing for the car. But it kind of the, the body shape kind of looks like some of the new Camaros. Yeah. Um, <laughs> by, by all means, do you please. Do you want to see me? Uh, no, I'm good, but thank you. Do you want to see me? Do you want But watching that as a kid, um, watching Hooper as a kid, and it, it's a movie about stuntmen, Hal Needham, um, and Burt Reynolds is basically playing Hal Needham's part in the movie for a change, which is really cool. And Adam West plays the star. Uh, of the movie within a movie, um, which See, I thought I've, was great. I've never seen this movie. Oh dear God, it's such a great movie. Yeah, it's a fantastic movie, and it's a, what a movie, that movie that, again? Hooper. It's called Hooper. Hooper. Yeah, it's it's the only it's the kind of movie that only a stunt man can make, or somebody that's in the business and that's been a second unit director, or somebody that um, has that inside information, that experience. Uh, take for instance, Chad Stahelski. Chad Stahelski is a, another legendary stuntman, and he founded a, an organization called 8711 Action Design. Right now, he's one of the hottest directors in Hollywood. He, he started out as Brandon Lee's um, stunt, stunt double mm. in The Crow. He was on set when... Um, he got Brandon, shot. Yeah, exactly. He, he was Brandon's stunt double, and uh, that was a very tragic thing that happened, but... Um, it's a good movie, though. Oh, it's a fantastic movie. Uh, Aside from like I, rape scenes in movies, always don't sit well with me. And yeah, the crow is no different. No, nah, it's so difficult. Like mur you see murder, it's like I, oh, I get it. There's something, but rapes are oh my god. Rape is just another. No matter what. Yeah, rape is a very raw and it's just vicious. It's violating. And it's it's, and a, it's, it's a, a violation of of everything. Of, of everything. Your entire universe. It's a violation of the entire universe. And I'm um, even just thinking like. Like fictionally, like I think it's a bad, yeah. a bad plot device. Every it time is, and I, it's, yeah. it's used to it's used to give like a female character some depth, right? And all oh, it, all, man. and it, it never works because it's just well, her entire depth is based on sexuality. It's just like right. really, that's yeah, what have you done? Do? What have you really done? Here? Comic books had this like this string of about a decade yeah. <clears throat> where they started to get edgy and they started realizing like we've got to make mm -hmm. female characters more. Um, um, three-dimensional like vibrant vibrant and it was like across the board it was like rape 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 sexual assault oh rape. my goodness and it like it didn't stop until i don't know maybe mid-2000s yeah well i i think in in some regards uh the creators of those content um are not as sensitive to what a person that goes through that has experienced uh, i've i know several people who have been violated that way and to speak with them and to be able to hear their story um is it's very eye-opening especially as a man mm. and you're you're talking to a woman that has been violated um viciously you you not only taking something precious you, you're taking her freedom you're taking her freedom of choice you're you're scarred yeah exactly you're you're scarring her psyche too and it's something that um that few men Unless you've been abused as a as a child, most grown men are not going to be raped unless they're in prison or some situation where they're overpowered. Yeah, it's definitely not going to be the normal. Whereas, yeah, I mean, I I know a lot of women that maybe not to the point of rape, but at least like sexual misconduct. I mean, taking advantage of, yeah, for sure, in a way that they couldn't do much about it. Mm -hmm. And most of them too, 
weren't able to express that for, for a long time. Like they yeah. didn't have the support networks that were like, let's go with you. Like I've heard many stories where they would tell parents or tell boyfriends or tell whatever and the boyfriend would leave or the parent wouldn't believe them. And right. Fucking rough. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember as a kid, uh, I was 12 years old playing basketball and I was going to um, a field, on a field trip with the team. We were going to a Duke basketball game. And one of the assistant coaches, he was a kind of a sketchy guy. Um, he was a family member of the main coach. And uh, I remember he had a thing for, for boys. And he would sit in the back of the van with us and stuff. And um, I remember one time he put his hand on my knee. Mm. I immediately told my dad about it because it didn't feel appropriate to me. Even then, even back then, I mean, that's a long time ago. Yeah, a different world for sure. Yeah, different world. And you didn't have the awareness that you have now. You didn't have the sensitivity and the availability of people being alerted in a more right. quick in, in a much quicker fashion than you do back then. People uh, didn't or, like d- didn't like go into things and really figure out the right. intentions and stuff. But I remember my parents always told me, and I can remember the whole um, there was this detective dog. McGruff, McGruff, what's his name? I can't think of his Oh, McGruff the Crime Dog. Yes, yeah. yes, McGruff the Crime Dog. I remember they would show us videos of that when I was in school. I was way too excited about that. Like, there was a <laughs> level of excitement that I didn't yeah. think I still had in me. McGruff the Crime Dog. I remember they would show these videos to us in class uh, when I was in elementary school. <laughs> and they would talk about stranger danger. Yeah. Um, if I anybody touches you inappropriately. But we had those things. So there were, there were those programs where they would try to enlighten children about the dangers. But it was dangers. so terribly presented. It was, yes. it, it was with a, like a giant Cart- mascot. Yes, it was oh, a cartoon yes. doll. They, they always did that. My, yeah, it was a cartoon doll. My memory doll. of it, and I, it's 100% wrong, but I'm going with it anyway. No, it's like, okay. It's a, is McGruff like would, would like test it all out? So it was like McGruff's like big furry paw like touching a kid. It's like that's inappropriate. Well, it the, definitely didn't happen that way. But that's how I'm decide- I'm choosing. I think to what they it. were trying to do with the dog was to make it accessible to the kids so it didn't right. seem scary. You didn't so put it, a face on it too. Like how the hell could you use an actual person and they're the person that's the example of touching children? Imagine right. getting that do, acting job. Right. Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> what, it's what? like being the herpes commercial actor. <laughs> Like yeah, this whole face. If I don't use this medicine, herpaderps. I haven't watched. I I haven't had cable in like fifteen years. So like now I'm seeing commercials just at the gym and stuff for the right. first time in forever. Right. And there's this one reoccurring commercial about this new like AIDS or like HIV medication. Oh and wow. Like, like, and <clears throat> the people that they have hired <laughs> yeah. to 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 act in it are so happy. Yeah, like they're oh so <laughs> happy about taking this, taking this medication that helps them. They're flying kites. They're flying kites. They're, they're dancing. They're there's on, like I think there's like a ballerina. They're sitting segment. on trains. <laughs> they're going to the countryside. Holy just shit. And the, taking and the, medicine. And the only way that you could like, <clears throat> the only messages that that gives is like, guess what? Like now you can go have like as much unprotected sex, sex yes. with people who are HIV positive as you want. And Knock you yourself yeah, out. It's like perfect. That's it's that's like, why I'm so excited because it's a hundred percent what I want to do. I want right. to have, like, dirty AIDS sex. That is oh, just, my God. Oh, my God. That's something <laughs> Holy that, shit. you know, this, I try to find the positive. I don't try. I just find the, both sides of everything, the negative, the positive. I see, I see it all if I can. And if you just don't have an SCD, you don't know true sexual freedom. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> you, know, you already have it. You can't get it. You go, you go raw dog the shit out of this. <laughs> Because there's no repercussion if you both have it. Oh my gosh! Yeah. You just do your. I mean, I mean, if you don't want to have a baby. Well, sometimes I wonder 
who hires these people to write these commercials? I mean, oh, terrible! Um, my God, it's family members probably. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of nepotism in the entertainment business. That is for sure, without a doubt. I need a job.、All、yes,、right. I need a job, Uncle Brian. Brian. Uncle, I need, I need a job. Can you? Yeah, you can be the screenwriter for this. This is great. Yeah, hop on.、Um, yeah, there is.、Um, well, to segue back to Hooper,、uh, Hooper. Hooper、yeah. um, I'm not sure exactly where we get off under this. It was the but, crow. The crow took us off, and yeah,、um, the rape scene, the crow, and then. Oh、uh, yeah, yeah, yeah.、Off. There, there we go.、Um, well, like, like、uh, Hal Needham, Chad、uh, Stahelski, he came up in the business as a stunt man, second unit director. A lot of the action stuff, or basically all of the action stuff that you get, that you guys are entertained by in the biggest blockbusters, are done by the stunt guys. The, the The second unit directors who stunt stunt coordinators and so forth and so on.、Um, these guys really know their shit.、Um, they've been doing it for a very long time.、Um, and Chad, he became famous for doing the John Wick movies.、Uh, he's right now the hottest director in Hollywood. And my agent actually has pitched the film rights for my new book to Chad's agent, Holly Jeter at William Morris Endeavor, which I'm excited about.、Mm. Um, and my stunt master Rick Seaman, who is the God. He is the go-to guy in Hollywood. He's been in the business since 1967. He's a member of the, yeah. He's a member of the Stunt Men's Association of Motion Pictures. If he has trained everybody that is anybody in Hollywood,、um, and it's beyond my recollection of any name, if if there's a name out there that I'm not familiar with,、um, then fine, I'll admit it. But he literally has trained. Everybody that is anybody in the business, in the stuntman business,、uh, when it comes to driving, when it comes to driving, comes to driving stuntman. Yes,、right. he's the only guy that studios and other stuntmen would would recommend to go and train and learn how to be somebody behind the wheel, somebody that you can depend on behind the wheel, somebody that's certified, somebody that's professional, somebody that knows their shit. Um, and that's what and that's what that's you a, did. Yes, real niche.、Um, and I've been I've been preparing and training for years, but when you go and train with somebody like Rick, who's like the expert, yes, you're going to a whole another level. Yeah, it's just different at that. It's、point. totally different at that point. And his entire team, they're the best in the business. These are the guys who are rigging the stunts for movies that feature The Rock and Samuel L. Jackson and you name it. Hell, yeah, these he are the guys. Yeah, he literally trained Keanu. For the driving scenes in John Wick, he's worked、yeah. with Tom Cruise. He's worked with Vin Diesel. You name it, he's the guy that goes, "Hey, you want to learn how to drive? This is the guy." And what was his name again? Rick Seaman. Rick Seaman. Is that yeah, like a, no pun intended? <laughs> is that a you know? In my mind, when you said Seaman, I thought S I E M E N. S E A M A N, like a like a naval. You know, like yeah. I just、seaman. thought of the company immediately. I didn't even think about like <laughs> semen, like、uh, come. I didn't even think about that. Everybody was thinking bodily fluids. I mean, really, you, I was, you guys can say otherwise. Hundred percent, hundred percent bodily fluids. I was for sure thinking about the company. That's, <clears throat>、oh, no. that's weird for me. Yeah, I was, I was thinking back to like the guy in the the guy in the bathroom stall.、So, like, I wasn't shitting in there. Like, <laughs> you're going all the way back. You're、yeah. going all the way back to that one. So no, um, there's a lot of guys who come in to stunt work that were former military. They are former NFL. Some are even wrestlers and and so forth that have been in the entertainment industry and so and they'll get into the business with a Taft Hartley、um, uh, waiver there to get their SAG card.、Um, and 
because like with Stunts Unlimited and the Stuntmen's Association of Motion Pictures, you have to have a SAG card. You have to have okay. a SAG card to be a part of their organization. It's basically a fraternity. It is a fraternity. Yeah, and probably, you have to be probably sponsored. Probably for a good reason. Yeah, you have to be sponsored. These guys are the best in the world, um, and they're not just going to take anybody. But there's a lot of, there's a lot of stunt workers out there um, who get jobs on film that don't have this training. They have other backgrounds. They have gymnastic backgrounds. They have fighting backgrounds. Again, it's always like, very physical. So the people that get attracted to stunt work are people that were very physical yes. existences. Yes. And they have an attraction to that. Yes. And then if you wanted to kind of be an artist, be a physical artist in a movie, yeah. it's just like the natural. All I thought of the whole time was American yeah. Gladiators. Yeah. The whole time, for some reason, just like bodybuilding women. <laughs> like they just live a physical, like an artistic physical life. <laughs> Their delts okay. just popping out. And you know what? That reminds me of somehow. It's like the '80s videos with the the workout and the yeah. Jane Fonda. Yeah, yeah, I, Jane Fonda. Exactly. I legitimately did Jane Fonda's workout when I was a kid on LP. My mom had it on vinyl. You, you should not tell that to anybody. I already did. Well, it's, it's <laughs> enough people are going to hear it. It was yep. good. it was good for my quads. And wow. Yeah. Wow. So so what got you attracted to again? Doing like I said, job? um, Who's as a kid, movie? as a kid. I remember watching Hooper and loving everything about it. I grew up loving the action in movies, but the storytelling as well, which is one of the reasons why I'm a writer as well. Um, See, there's the English accent again. I'm a writer. <laughs> I'm a writer. That's that, that. I have a tendency to put my stress on the T's in my words, and it sounds weird. Um, I writer. like it. For instance, uh, most people in this area say butter. I say butter. Butter. So I put the emphasis on the two. Who, who's he been talking to? <laughs> a lot a lot of people from the South actually say butter. Yeah. Yeah, pasta butter. Pasta butter kind of thing. Sounds yeah. like a New York or a Boston thing. <sighs> I don't know. Or a Jersey but, thing. I think we should just do the rest of the podcast with Irish accents. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Um Matthew. Uh, that's how that's how I'll do it. Because Matthew's a really Jamaican good one <laughs> oh yeah, we're gonna do Jamaican accents. No, I, we can't do that, man. We're, we're not in the right political climate right now. <laughs> you can't do anything. There's too much sensitivity right now. We can't yeah, do oh, too that much is sensitivity. Ridiculous. Yeah, it's way way too much sensitivity. Uh, like I said, I feel like a dinosaur in the age in which we're living. I, I feel like I was raised with uh, a good amount of decorum and uh, manners to to be the kind of person that I need to be in society. But then I think to myself. If I say something that's colloquial, something that's um, in my oh vernacular, my it's yeah. it's liberalism going it, crazy. Yeah, it's it really is. And, and, and um, I, I get to say that as a Canadian who's more liberal than, <laughs> than the entire country. There's no one here. more liberal than you. There's brother. no one more liberal yes. than Canadian. Um, especially in the business now, the same business that we're all in, um, which is entertainment, communication, yeah. what so, not. It's you're having to watch things when. You really shouldn't have to watch necessarily. You should have a certain amount of playfulness with people, not to the point where you offend them, of course. Or but, at least not purposefully. Right, right. And if you do, there, there should be room for an apology without castigation. Yeah. And that person to be able to be like, hey, yeah. I recognize that you didn't mean ill intention here, yeah. but this hurts me in this way because of this. And it could be a teaching moment. Yeah, exactly. Like that's something. There's, there's room in that space to be like, Hey, I understand you didn't mean anything by it, but this is why this hurts me. Exactly. And then you could be like, "Oh, 
I never thought of that. Thank yeah. you. And then you could sit there and be like, you know what? Maybe I won't say that in the future because maybe I didn't get that. It, it, that those makes, conversations don't happen. It makes the yeah. assumption that compassion and empathy is is something that people uh, function within on a no, day-to-day basis. They, and I don't, they fake I don't, it a lot. I think it's a lot. A lot I think of it is a lot of fake. A lot of pseudo-compassion where people... Yeah. Uh, this is something I, I've been really trying to dive into because so with the areas I do, I... Uh, like we're doing the podcast, I do. I co-produce the Fred Talk podcast, which is an awesome one. Um, I run comedy shows, uh, music shows. I just had a DJ gig last night where I was playing techno and tech house and stuff. And uh, so I do a bunch of different areas of things. So I meet a lot of different types of people, and it's it doesn't matter which community I go to. There's always a different language. Yeah. There's always a different set of rules and expectations and Trying to keep up with it is nearly impossible. And uh, what, were, what were we speaking about right before that? There's something that, like sparked that thought. Manners. The, manners. The, growing, the growing up with manners and a decorum to sort of function within a world that's like hypersensitive right now. Yeah. Well, it's it's nearly impossible uh, to do it in any in any space you go into. And in each space, uh, it doesn't matter how good your intentions are. Uh, yeah. Because people are functioning on this uh, pseudo-compassion. That's what it was. Yeah. The pseudo-compassion. It's identity. Identity. That's what I was going to get into. Is uh, Everybody has this identity of how they view themselves. Like if somebody views themselves when they look in the mirror as a good person yeah. versus somebody being a bad person, which doesn't exist. Uh, people are just people. They make decisions based on their programming. And some people override it. Others don't. But if you think you're a good person, that means every time you do something, you base it off of that. When you do a good thing for somebody, that's mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. That's just you. But if you do something bad, you're like, oh, I had a bad day. Oh, I was off that day. That wasn't me. That was like, oh, I was messing up. It's like, no, that's part of you as well. That's where you're at as well. Right. So there's everybody gets this like touted and like thumb up their ass that they're good people. And then this idea of what good is, and everybody has a different version of good. Each culture has a different version of good. Each person, each family like in this family, it's, it's good to be conservative. This family, you better be super liberal and right. like express your sexuality. And this other family, it's like you better not uh, sex before marriage. And everybody has a different version of good. But then when they, they in their own world, what they think good is, they relate to themselves with their good because it's their worldview. And yeah. of course, they it's their worldview because that's how they are. Uh, you know, unless somebody's like depressive or has like mental issues, and then they'll be like, you know, I'm a bad person. But typically, those people are not bad people. Uh, so because of that identity thing where they're always just latched onto, I'm this, I'm that, like if I'm talented or I'm smart, Oh, the intelligent one. Oh my God. Like if somebody thinks they're smart, they just think they're smart no matter what. So then if somebody they consider to be dumb, it doesn't matter if that person's actually smart or over here. They can't really even listen to this person. They have to listen to somebody they consider to be smart. And if they're not that smart in an area, then who they consider to be smart is not going to be that smart. And then that's why you have all these like ripple effects of having like, Somehow Donald Trump is like of the three hundred million people, most of which children that can probably handle that job a little better. Probably. Yeah, yeah. that Greta girl out of Sweden, I'm pretty confident she could hang with these world leaders. She's crushing out here. Crushing. Full support for, for Greta. Crushing. Uh but that's how you get to that point. It's because this identity crap where everybody owns. Yeah. Like, I'm this. I'm, I'm that. This, I'm yeah. this. And because I'm this, I can never do that. And if I did that, that's silly. That's yucky. That's ooh. That's not me. There's no flexibility. All right. So the fake compassion thing yeah. is like if somebody considers themselves to be compassionate, well, 
I think in today's day and age, everybody's so concerned with their identity. Mm-hmm. They're so concerned with I need to be compassionate and loving and caring. It's like you know, some of some people are assholes. Yes, yeah, sometimes you just need asshole. to kick somebody's ass. In all yes. honesty, yeah. in all honesty, and this is this is not a popular opinion with a lot of people, of course. Sometimes you just have to do something that is just difficult. You have yeah. to do something that's going to be difficult, something that's going to be dangerous to your health and somebody else's health. And it's a, there's a lot of life that's that way. I yes. mean, I think I think it's Daniel Tosh. Is it Daniel Tosh that has, or maybe it's Bill Burr, or it's like, oh, you should never hit a woman. You should never hit a woman. It's like, what if she's already drowned three of your kids and she's on kid number four? Can you <laughs> can you hit her then, kid? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, I get it. I get yeah. it. Like violence is typically not the answer. But until it 100% until 100% answer. like how do you physically stop this human exactly. if you just grab them they might hit you and then then you're incapable of now grabbing and stopping them right you might have to incapacitate somebody now there's a difference between like going over the fucking edge yeah. and harming this person on purpose right. there's another to be like to take this person out of the contention of right. the situation you're right you can contain them if you can you're trying your best to right. contain them um, and I, I <sighs> But it's a, it's a hard it's a hard decision because people are so wrapped up on how things look as opposed to, yeah. dude, banks can fuck people's families up. Yes, people can. Oh my god, uh, have these shitty lawsuits and people yes. can ruin people legally, and I've, that's okay. I've, yeah, I've seen a lot. God forbid of people, you hit somebody. Yeah, um, I think there has to be a time where you make a decision about uh, reacting to violence what measure of violence did because we right. we work in an industry uh you you draw comic books that um portray uh superheroes beating the shit out of the villains yeah it's violent yeah. um and we go to movies a lot of times and it's, this is one of the things i pose to uh people who are very religious um yes i have my christian faith but i consider myself to be the quentin tarantino of christianity <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um but uh and I, I tell people who, so it's more like like yeah Jesus but like Jesus motherfucker exactly <laughs> the biggest ass kicker in the universe Yo. he is the big he literally think about it he rode on a donkey into Jerusalem in the triumphal entry so he was literally kicking the ass as he rode into Jerusalem My, I'm a he's, a, he's a freaking literally kicking the ass he's kicking the ass as he rides into Jerusalem he's a literal ass kicker that's yeah. what Jesus said he's an ass He's he's kicking ass. Yeah, man. Dude, I mean, not even taking names. He doesn't give a fuck about those names. <laughs> he now think about it. I See, even, I, 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 I like, wrote about this. I like the literal version of like kicking ass, like kicking a yeah. donkey. Like <laughs> like what I want to do is picture Christ with like a vest of knives. Like he just brings up these seriously. Fucking people knives. He forget don't about even this. use them. He don't Pe- even use them. He just shows you like I got these, bitch. <laughs> people people a forget. A and this is the thing. Um, when I studied Hebrew, I, I wanted to be able to understand the biblical languages and you know along with koine greek be able to understand them be able to look at the text myself and say all right this is what it actually says not what this dumbass televangelist is telling me it says or some person in the pulpit is i know what it says i can read it for itself jesus was he was an ass kicker i i I compared him to django from django and (laughs) chain think about you remember that scene from um where the uh, the slave breaks the egg and he, she's getting they're getting ready to whip yeah, her yeah, yeah, right. and he's of course with King Schultz um, and he's found the guy one of the guys uh, that that beat him when he was his slave and he's got this dandy 
this dandy outfit on this was it purple and with the little white kerchief thing yeah. around his neck and he takes that whip from him and just starts beating the shit out of him just beating the shit as people forget jesus took the time to put a whip together and beat the shit out of the, the people in the temple the, they were the money was, changers yeah. he turned the, the tables jo- over the joel osteens back in the day he was beating the shit out of these people <laughs> yeah fuck joel osteen I mean, I don't know who that is. but you know, yeah, the people, and I, I write about this in, in, in my book and um, because it's, it's a badass. Uh, I love this story. It's a great story. Um, I really bring out the things that people are afraid to talk about. The balance, the balance between love, mercy, and kicking ass. That's what, that's what, that's what, that's what, oh my I, I, God, what a fucking movie title. Love, Mercy, and Kicking Ass. That's actually, that's good. Holy shit. <laughs> you should rename the book that. I should. That, um, yeah, whatever you picked is way worse than that. No, I call it Hucked. Instead of, instead of saying fucked, it's basically hucked. Because yeah, hucked love, means, Mercy, and Kicking Ass. <laughs> I love Mercy and Kicking Ass. Maybe that'll be the sequel title. I don't know. Um, but um, I own 10% of it now. <laughs> okay, yes, I, w- I will give you that ten percent. I will give you that ten percent. I like that title, but uh, I, I think um, is that balance. Everybody, like, I think, I think we've gotten to a point where we don't discuss the necessity of balance right now. And no. I, I, it, this could be, this could be. I, I see it creeping up in Canada. I was just back there over the summer, and I see it creeping up there. But it's it's so homogenized here in the United States. Yeah, where it's rampant. there is no balance, like mm-hmm. the, the, the the not at all. Uh, what I see anyways as you know a foreigner kind of existing here is the um, the division between two sides two massive two, division and then a bunch division. of people in the middle most people live in the middle man most people don't most give a people shit. are not on either side yeah. it's that because they're living in the middle and they there's a lot of really solid folks that lives, dude, even just in Raleigh yeah I remember when I was standing in line with my girlfriend at the time when they elect the last election and this Hillary, was the one in the in the leather white vest no 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 year, this is the one I this is this is the one I lived with we won't how's this, she doing engaged yeah you know, where's she at Why <laughs> engaged for Nine nine years. Why didn't she drive you? You know, sorry, sorry. does she not care about you anymore? Oh my God, that's another story. <laughs> another got stuck in another a, in very a very long story. Um, <laughs> sorry. I remember standing in line with her, and people would ask, "Well, who, who are you voting for?" And you're not even really supposed to ask that anyway yeah. when you're standing in line. Ask. Oh, like in the I am voting line? for absolutely nobody. There's nobody running for president that I want to see. Which, be which, pre- which election was this? Well, this the past one. Oh, my God. Yeah. I have a joke from a local comedian that's just... Oh, shit. You finished it. I got you. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's what people get. Who, who are you voting for? Well, I sure as hell am not voting for what the Democrats are offering no. me, and I'm sure as hell not voting for what the Republicans no, are offering both me. Both options were just ridiculous. Like, they really? were just ridiculous. I was thinking... Who the fuck do you think I'm going to vote for? They're both just as bad as one another. Yeah, of course, now we see that we probably would have rather have had... Probably better with Hillary. <laughs> yeah, we would have been better off with her. She, but um, The thing is, whether she's evil or not, she has the experience, man. She would have yeah. she 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 handled situations okay. <laughs> she wouldn't have told every other country to go fuck itself. <laughs> exactly. Um, She'd have been another four years apart. The, the, thing, course, I ask, the thing I ask um, yeah. my relatives and, and fellow Christians is... Have you ever watched an interview from Donald Trump? I said, have you ever watched? Really? Oh, he's ridiculously stupid. Not only not only does he like to grab the woman by her pussy, as he said. Yeah, literally um, recorded. Um, <laughs> and I, I said, have you not seen any of the tape or, or rather listened to any of the tapes? Have you not watched a single interview when they asked him about his Christian faith? He doesn't think he needs to be forgiven for anything. So 
Yeah, man. That kind of that kind of disqualifies him from the whole Christian like, thing, you know. He's basically like he got the treatment. Well, you know, like hot women, they just don't get told like, "Yo, <laughs> fucking work on yourself," because like everybody wants to sleep with her. Nobody wants to like uh, bring down the hot woman. Right. And then if you do, like if you bring down somebody else, also you're the bad guy. Like on multiple levels. Yeah. You don't criticize the hot woman. He got the hot woman treatment. Nobody just was like, "Yo, Donald, honestly, you fucking suck." Like nothing like his life. Like, people had to go to him and be like, "Yo, Donald." Yeah. You're a fucking loser. Yeah. Like, everybody should have that. Yeah. All of us have been a loser at some point. You know? Too many and yes, it's important man. that somebody is like, yo, dude, in this moment, go fuck yourself. Yeah. And not enough people do that early enough. So he just, yeah. the whole time, was like, yo, I'm fucking flawless. I see other people getting criticized, not me, baby. Yeah. He just rode that the fuck out. Exactly. The, the trouble I have. Sorry, you were going to say something. I, I want to tell the, the joke. Go ahead. So Jeremy Alder. Local comedian was out of Hillsborough. Hilarious. He's actually, he headlined, I did a recent show on a high-rise okay. condo. Uh, did a comedy show up there for Sky House in Raleigh. And he was, was a headliner for a really tall it. house. Yeah, really tall house. Yeah. It basically, it is, yeah. So he was a headliner for that. He's He was the headliner for um, the Cotton Company, which is a Australian Wake Forest. And he's going to be headlining Motorco, then I'm bringing to Durham, wow. October 27th. Uh, cool. Hilarious guy, really sweet cat. So he's from Texas, and he has these jokes just about being homeschooled and that means he's stupid. <laughs> well, he's like, man, yeah, it was, this last election was really rough going down to Texas, you know, because uh, I'm quite liberal, and my dad is not. So he obviously voted for the... Uh, rich, evil, uh, insert, insert, insert things, right. white man. Right. And I voted for the rich, evil, <laughs> insert, 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 same details, white woman. So, right. you know, we're at odds. <laughs> hey, what, a, what a phenomenal joke. That's funny. Yeah. But, but really, that was the, op- the options we had. Yeah, there, there were no options. Um, yeah. And uh, I just, Honestly, don't really like talking about politics because no. um, it's so boring. It's not yes. rewarding. It's not like this it's, thing where it's like engaging actual conversation. It's just always like who can control which vagina. <laughs> 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 it's like, yeah, leave, leave it alone. You know, I, I open up my uh, Apple News and I just want to read through my news and not have to see uh, 100 articles about Donald Trump or the um, Secretary of Defense or... I just, I don't want it because right. it's nothing but fucking corruption and bad news. There's never yeah. any really good news that you can say, hey, I'm, I'm proud to be an American. Very happy that. I'm proud. Now, am I thankful to be in the United States of America and be a citizen? Of course, I served in the military. Um, but I am not a puppet of the propaganda. I'm not a puppet of the patriotism propaganda. It's nothing wrong with being a patriot because I feel like I am a patriot. But um, I think sometimes dissent is the proper form of patriotism. And um, people just want to be polemists for the sake of, you know, debate. They just want to argue for the sake of debate. Um, yeah, they just want to prove somebody wrong that they're right. right. It's an identity thing, man. It's yes. like exactly the same thing. It's like they need to be right because I'm smart, because right. I'm right. If I can avoid, if I can avoid a conflict, I will. I think it's, I think it's better to avoid a conflict unless that conflict is necessary for a resolution that helps other people. Or if that conflict that both sides are really open to be like, yes, we have this conflict. Let's approach this to get to the other side of it. Right. Most people just want to project. They mm-hmm. don't actually want a resolution. They just want to right. project their will on somebody as opposed to being like, hey, 
We care about one another. Compromise. Let's let's figure this out. There's obviously an issue between. Yeah. But it's just not common. Yeah. Um. Well, and, and and that's that's really the spirit of like what I like about the United States is that it is really split into two. Like there is really there really is a polarized half, the uh, kind of down the middle. Mm-hmm. There's one ideology and there's the other ideology. I think the best version of compromise for that is if they're both just unhappy. Yeah. It's like it's like this whole like the whole assumption that both like one side is right and the other side is wrong. It's like well, if you both meet in the middle, you neither one of you is going to be happy, but you're also going to be you're going to be equally unhappy as you are happy. Yeah. And the second the, the second that you realize that wow, it she ain't perfect. It's like right. that, that's okay. It's it's okay to find that balance of just like meh. How was your day yeah. today? Ah, like figure out what's really imp- I think people just oh, it's like the you can have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. And you can if you're really good. But most people are not really good at anything they do. If you're really good, you can have it all. But if you're not, yeah. You're gonna to have to sacrifice some stuff to figure out what's really important to you and express that to them. This is why it's really important to me. Right. And then knock off. If you have ten things and two of those things you need, be like, how can we work with these eight? What are your two things? How can we come together to where both of us get these two things? Then we trade off back and forth and we make it to where if people don't care, they're not fucked. Right. But we don't live in that kind of country. We live in the country where they politics just like readily fucks people. They readily pollute rivers. You know, I saw a little um, clip of Brad Pitt in his movie, Killing Them Softly. And he, he said something great. It was a nice little soliloquy he was having with one of the actors in the movie. And they were talking about the history of America and so forth. And, you know, of course, you know, Brad Pitt, he's dressed all in black. He's this uh, kind of mob hit guy and, and so forth. And he's giving his, his details about getting paid. And uh, so he's telling the guy at the bar, he said, you know, America is not a country. It's a business. Uh, Think about this. America is not a country. It's a business. Thomas Jefferson aroused the rabble with his great words, but yet he was fucking a slave girl and keeping his people in slavery while he was talking about the equality of men and so forth and so on. And then you can get all these great minds from Princeton and Harvard and so forth and so on, and they will talk about Jefferson. They will talk about the, the signers of the Declaration of Independence. They will look at the pros and the cons of these people's lives and the hypocrisy and basically the schizophrenia of their lives and the, their words as opposed to their actions. And I think Brad Pitt summed it up really nicely in his um, little speech in that movie, America is a business. Yeah, it is for some people. I, I, I truly believe that there are a ton of people that they actually care yeah, they actually I, want I good so. for others. Yeah. But I've learned that the people that seek power, mm-hmm. you have to sacrifice a lot of humanity you to do. get into power. You do. And the people that care can't sacrifice that no. humanity because then they couldn't care anymore. Exactly. And that's their whole value. So those that's people don't the rise. Part. They yeah. don't rise up like that. That's the part that's the business. It's the political machine. It's the it's the defense machine. And it has to be a business to a degree. Because you're running. It could running. be good business. It's right. just that we just do bad business. We do bad business. And a lot of the business loses its humanity. It uses, it uses, its, um, it uses its people and then it loses its grace. And it loses the graciousness that you have toward the people that make you what you are, that bring you up to that seat of power. Right. They bring you to that, that point where you're making decisions for other people's lives. You're sending yeah. people across uh, the ocean to secure the interests of America, secure um, 
all of the uh, commodities that we need as a country to exist in the lifestyle that we exist. And we're doing so at the detriment of the people that we are supposed to be protecting, but also... The detriment of everyone. Yes. It's not even that it's just the people we're attacking. It's the detriment to us as well, because it has ripple effects. Yes, it does. I mean, there's a reason why we have all this money, all this affluence, all Mm -hmm. these systems and infrastructure... Yeah, kids are shooting up schools mm-hmm. in a way that it's like every other week you hear about another mass shooting, every other week. What people forget is that the Roman Empire fell from within, and we are a lot like the Roman Empire. Yeah. And it's not the enemies from without that we really need to be worried about. It's the enemy within. That we're, that we're building. Yes. It's uh, not it's, that we invited them in. We are creating enemies. We, we, are, we are our own worst enemy as a country um, because of the way we view ourselves a lot of times. In the political spectrum, um, the way we approach our allies, and if you look at the deals that we have with Saudi Arabia that go back oh hundred years almost now, um, yeah. and it goes it goes back a, a very long way, and there is too too much to get into right now in this particular venue because you know this is not exactly what um, the audience probably wants to hear, but it's. It's really frightening about some of the deals that we have in place with other foreign governments that you know ensure us to have certain uh, rights to minerals and to whatever, um, whatever you want, whatever commodity you want to talk about, and we're basically um, bullying people. In, absolutely, in, with I mean, our we policies. have a bully as a president. Yes, we absolutely are bullying. Um, but there, there are great people in the military. There are great people. Um, in lower in the lower echelons of politics who really want to make a difference who really want to be there right and have sacrificed their lives and their families' lives to to be of service to yeah. an ideal to be of service to that that it's patriotism be- that they believe in so strongly in which they have every right to believe in in which I support but the people who should be there for them to um, support them and to have their back are usually not. Right, and it's that whole thing where the people that really want to do a good job, they are just doing a good job. They're doing their part. They're yeah. not worried about, you know, how do I rise up through these ranks? How do I position myself to be the person that gets this role? How do I fuck this person over over mm-hmm. time with this group over here and make these shady deals where I'm positioned to where they're going to platform me to here? And how do I then protect myself by holding kind of essentially blackmail on everybody around me, which mm-hmm. is... Stuff I'm learning just from with what I do, running the shows and stuff. It's like, oh, fuck, I have to not call this person out. Like, there's a, there's a person in the community that's like a predator. Every time there's a female alone, man, that guy's right there. Wow. Right there every time. And I, I call it out because mm-hmm. I now have the political capital. I go around, I'm like, yeah, that's a predator. Yeah, this guy, the, yeah. that guy right here, predator. Yeah. And they look at me like I'm the asshole at first. But then over time, and I always do this, I, call, I just call people out uh, for... The people that make other people unsafe. And then over time, people like start to wisen up and they're like, fuck, you were right. Fuck, you were right. But they never they never say that. They just tell me like, oh, I noticed this. I'm like, yes. But it's because I've positioned myself to be able to say those things and continue to do what I'm doing. And in politics, it becomes impossible to do so. And then in this culture, where it's you can only call out essentially white men yeah. for doing wrong. You can't call out everybody no. for doing everything. It's and, the same thing when the... In, in, in the entertainment business, um, with the diversity movement that is happening, which is it's it's great, you know, diversity is great, but it 
at the cost of being able to be equal in that diversity. Because, um, and, w- and what I mean by that is that people who are simply trying their best to make it in the entertainment business, and if you're white, if you're a blonde-headed, blue-eyed, white woman in the business, um, they think that you are the you have the gold standard, that the edge is with you. There are lots of people like that in California in the business. Tons and tons and tons of people that look like that, that never get anything. Right. And they stay waitresses and waiters and and so forth and so on. They stay in the service industry trying their damnedest to break in. I have a friend who's a member of SAG. She's been in the business for over 20 years. Beautiful girl. Absolutely gorgeous. Um, you look at her IM, IMDb profile, you think, my God, she should be a star by now. But she's not. Right. But she works steady. She's, she's done really good work. She's made good money. Um, and, but she's not rich. She, she, makes, she does well. She, she um, actually just recently did the uh, stand-in work for the rehearsals for the uh, Golden Globes. I mean, not the Golden Globes, but the Emmys. And um, she does work with the Golden Globes and the Oscars as well as, you know, the stand-ins for the, the main principal actors who are going to be there on the, the night of the show. She does, she basically is spotting them. Sounds like a pretty good gig. Yeah. She, so it sounds she like does, she's doing pretty well. She does well, but she's not a star. Right. She's she, not what, because people only see the top. That's right. something that I've learned is there's this concept that I continue to dive into. And I think one day I'm either going to, because I think ultimately I'm going to end up being a director. Mm-hmm. With everything I do, right. I think that's where my skill sets sit right. uh, as event coordinator and then directing like film. Right. I'm very confident at some point in my life. Uh, my mind just works in that space. That's great. Being an actor is not great for me. <laughs> uh, even being a writer, I don't I don't necessarily yep. need to be the writer. I can yeah. take somebody's vision and, uh, and lay it out and put people Direct in position it. to succeed. Yeah. So, fuck, what was I saying? Oh, this is a concept that I think at some point is going to be represented in that way. And it's more philosophical thing that I approach my life with is... There's a hill and then there's this mountain. Mm-hmm. And that's the entirety of life is in this hill and this mountain. Most people go up this hill and it's, it's very steady. You go up the top of it, you see the people at the top. And it's, it's, a, it's a long walk, but most people get up there. Most people get up to the hill. Most people stay there. Uh, a few people go into this valley and this valley has just a f- massive fog over it. Yep. So you just see the bottom of the hill and that's it. Yep. And it's kind of like the rite of passage, like people that go for something. And essentially, what they're doing is trying to get to that mountain they see in the distance. Mm-hmm. Well, they only see from that distance a little bit of the mountain. They don't see the bottom of the mountain because of the fog. Uh, and they don't see the top. You can't see the top of the mountain unless you're there. Yeah. Uh, but they see the middle of the mountain. If somebody gets to the middle of the mountain, that means they're fucking doing something. They're mm-hmm. famous. They're really successful. Whatever. The top of the mountain is going to be the people you don't hear about. They are doing their own thing. They don't care about the ego of it. They don't need to see you. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know a good example, honestly. Who'd be the top of the mountain? Um, like, not even like an Elon Musk, really, because he still has his uh, stuff where he lets his ego get tied in. Do you think that the people on the <clears throat> on the top of that mountain are the ones that um, are just content within their own identity? They're, because a lot of the, a lot of what we've kind of been talking about in the last they're 10 probably minutes, very quiet. Yeah, like there's somebody. It could be somebody. Let's say they're an actor. And they they hit it, and they're an incredible actor, and they become successful. And they hit a point in their life where they recognize that's not everything. Yeah. And then they become a full person, and they really experience things, and they really yeah. go do good work. And you don't really hear about them anymore. Mm-hmm. 
uh, they're living this really full life. I imagine those would be the people we'll talk about. Well, because that, 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 that fullness comes from like, um, I think an acceptance of self, which doesn't require, right. which doesn't require that external, um, validation. Input or validation. Right. Cause you, you recognize you're flawed. You recognize you're not perfect, Exactly. but you've all, but you've already fulfilled societal value. I think that's super important as you have to be valued socially yeah. on an extreme level right. to then be at the top of the mountain. I think you have to go through that phase. There's, well, you're at yeah. the hill you only see there. Right. So if people don't make it to there, though, right. people don't give a shit. Right. If you die in the valley, right. they don't care. Right. They can't see you. Right. If you're at the bottom of the mountain, they don't care. The bottom of the mountain could be like coaches that really help people get up the mountain and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people try to come back to the hill and then they're always like, you know, left yearning or people never left the hill. And whenever they see somebody in the mountain, they don't even view them as themselves. Because they didn't see all this. They can't connect because they weren't in the fog with them. And when you're in the fog, you're by yourself. You can't so see is, anybody else. Are you? So let me try to just kind of break it down so I understand yeah. it. Are you advocating for, not advocating, advocating is probably the wrong word, but right. um, is the top of the mountain a transcendence of what how we're perceived socially on sort of the hill? I would say yes. I would say yeah. it's a different. Here's a good, a here's a good example of, of what I think maybe he is saying. Um, there was uh, the latest article in GQ magazine was an interview with Brad Pitt again, coming because he's you know in the news a lot right now with Ad he's Astra. Might be up there. Yeah, with Ad Astra and with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he had a really great um, view of where he's come to in his life. And everybody that has a, a smartphone has seen some article or another on their Apple News or whatever news feed you get that talks about his divorce or talks about his life in some group. And it's the way with any, and you don't even have to look for it. It just pops up on your phone, on your right. Google search. It, it's there. So you're gonna know a little bit about what's going on. But you know, I read the article in GQ and he said, you know, I'm, I'm in my 50s now and I'm having to reassess my importance in, in this world. And I don't, he said, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was really living my life. Um, that's a really that's a really hard moment to come to. Yeah, um, that's like I and I'm paraphrasing here. Yeah. I'm, I'm not I'm not you know quoting him word for word. But he essentially said, "I am reassessing after my divorce, after everything that's happened with you know the the drama with my kids." Yeah, that's right. You told and me yeah, and yeah, and looking for roles that um, mean something um, that was different than what I was looking for in the past, um, and going. And being behind the camera more instead of in front of the camera. That's one of the great things that I really focused on uh, about the character in my new book, Huck. He has this thing called the Emmaus effect. And if anybody has ever read the biblical story, and you know, we discussed that just a little bit about Jesus on the road after the resurrection. Jesus is on the road, and there's these two strangers, and they're going to Emmaus, and they don't recognize him. This is Jesus Christ. And they don't freaking recognize him and they're talking about the resurrection they're talking about everything that happened in in jerusalem the crucifixion and everything the political turmoil that is the grand stage that's the shakespearean stage and i took that and they didn't recognize me until they got into the house and they were they were they were listening to him speak and their hearts burned within them they said there's something familiar about this guy why didn't they recognize him had they never met him before? Yeah. They did not see him in Jerusalem because there were always crowds around him, great crowds around him. And so 
he gets to their to the house and to the location they're having uh, getting ready to have their meal and he breaks bread and they see yeah they see the the nail prints and they see how he blessed the food and stuff and then he vanishes in front of them like that that's great drama <laughs> you can't get any better drama than that and it kind of reminds me of that scene from Sergio Leone um, spaghetti westerns where Clint Eastwood is you know see him in the desert and they get the ripple of the gasoline fumes almost across the desert the heat and he's this stranger coming out of the desert that's how I portray the character it's got this Emmaus effect he's been in all these movies he's a stunt man he's been around since before the days of Shakespeare but nobody can ever remember his fucking face that's kind of there's such a beauty to that. Yeah, but nobody, and that's what a stunt man is supposed to do. He's supposed to be able to not be recognized because he is preparing the way for the star. He is preparing the way for the star. He's the guy that takes the licks, just like in the movie that we watched. You know, when they're interviewing him at the very beginning of the movie, he says, "Tell me what a stunt double does." And then he is is one of the great scenes in the movie. I love it. Other than when he says, "Don't cry in front of the Mexicans." Fucking love that line. <laughs> Don't cry in front of the Mexicans. And he puts the sunglasses on. <laughs> that's, like, that's fucking awesome. But um, Tarantino writes fantastic dialogue. But um, <laughs> he at the beginning of the movie he says, "Well, you know, uh, DiCaprio's character is talking." Um, he says, "Well, if I fall off a horse and I hurt my ankle, or you know, that puts production behind for a week." Cliff is meant to carry the load. And the interviewer turns to him and says, well, is that how you would describe your, your job, Cliff? He said, carrying the load? Yeah. I say that describes it. <laughs> That's something that, uh, so like when I was a kid and you don't have this bigger view of life, whenever I thought of stuntmen, I was like, these are the people they just didn't give a shit about uh, that would take the risks and all that. But I never considered the reason why it's so important and why it's good for both sides is that they need to take the risk because like you just said it pushes back a week yep. and the amount of money and how many people's jobs are on the line and how just uh, fickle not fickle but uh, fragile creating movies is from a financial It's a collaborative state. yeah it's a, it's a huge collaborative process so many details and there's so many people that they have their hands in the, in the jar so to speak or in the pot um, there's so many fingers in the pie whatever whatever <laughs> Uh, an, uh, whatever analogy you want to <laughs> Sorry, use. I got, you know? <laughs> I got so stuck on that. Um, it, and it, a lot of people want what they want. They want the stuntmen to do their jobs. They want the, the, the dolly grips to do their jobs. They want the, the key grip, whoever. They want, they, want the, they want the people to do what they want them to do and to do it professionally. And I think what they're doing right now to push for the Oscars to um, recognize stunt coordinators in an Oscar category is fantastic. And it's long overdue because these guys should have been recognized by the Academy long time ago. And they're not. Think about it. I mean, they, rep- they, they will recognize the costume designers. They will recognize the, the, the sound mixers and all these. And they don't recognize the stunt people who actually put their life on the line that die. People die doing this shit. And they don't get an Academy Award nomination for that. So, I think it's because um, it's not glamorous. Like it, it's a it's a glamour thing. Yeah, to and a degree. But to it. I think also too, there's prejudice. There's prejudice within the industry. Um, there's lots of prejudice within the industry. You have so much nepotism in this business from, at every angle, from who gets what, who gets recognized for what. Uh, you see it in the agencies, you see it in the production companies, you see it in the studio system, you see it amongst stuntmen, you see it amongst, everybody's competing. 
everybody's competing. Everybody's hustling. Um, Smokey, one of the stunt guys I trained with when I was with um, out there training with Rick, he uh, he talks about having to go to set to, and, and hustle the stunt coordinator. Hey, man, this is who I work with. This is who I train with. Um, if you can use me, great, great, great. You're always kind of hustling to get that work, to get that position, um, because there's only a few that live at the top of the mountain. People like right. Stahelski and people like Richard Citrone and and people like, they live at the top of the mountain. Uh, they wouldn't say that they live at the top of a mountain. Of course not. Yeah. Um, but they do. They're they're the recognized. They're they're the guys that people go to for the big shit. They're the, they're the guys that they're the people in the visible space that they're right at that top of that visible space. Right. And yeah. you know when Chad created his um, studio eighty seven eleven action design, he basically was creating something that studios could come to say, "This is my team. These guys are the best in the world." Um, we can, we can train your actors. We can, we can do whatever you need. And, you know, he's become a real force in the business. And that's what Hal Needham did with Stunts Unlimited and, you know, Glenn Wilder and Ronnie Rundell. That's what they did was, that's what SAMP did, Stuntmen's Association of Motion Pictures. These organized, these fraternities and stuff, these guys, they're the best of the best. Um, and they are bringing the professionalism to movies. It's like with Rick. Rick created something called the Juicy Lift. Ah, love the Juicy Lift. Um, I have a phrase. I have a phrase in the book called John Wicking the Juicy Lift. And if anybody steals that, that's listening to this podcast, I'm going to find you and I, kick your ass. I have already made a new Zumba workout called the Juicy Lift. So. <laughs> no, it's just and great I did thing. It before you said okay, so, it's, so it's I, I own that too. It's okay, just, it's just him twerking in front of a mirror. <laughs> that's it. Just like love, mercy, and kicking ass. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, th I think that uh, that's Matthew it twerking, works. twerking in a mirror and doing squats at the same. It time. works. Are you trying to feel better about yourself? Comes Are your kids diff. not listening to your power anymore? When you say go to bed, do they say "fuck you, bitch"? Yeah. Do the juicy lift because if you if you get that ass right, your kids will know what's, what's popping. And it's just you and like um, one of those leotards that women wore in like workout videos in the eighties. I regret everything and, I just said. And, and, and you turn around to the camera; it's the juicy lift, and it's just a thong right up your ass. Yeah. Oh my god, that's what you're showing. Right, when there's like no ass. That is not a about. picture I really want it's to just, see. It's just a confidence thing. Like it's not even like you're even working out. You're just like really telling yourself that you're sexy. Yeah. You're just in the mirror every day. You guys were touching on something interesting that I kind of want to cycle back to. Yeah, let's, let's do that. Because I like. Well, let me tell you about the juicy lift. Oh yeah, sorry. Juicy you gotta tell you yeah, about we the gotta do the juicy lift. This, this I guy, figured. I figured what we just said was a hundred percent juicy lift. <laughs> if it's not well, now, it's less no. Interesting. Rick. Rick is the guy, and if you look at Rick, he looks like this old homeless grandpa figure. Yeah. All right, the guy knows his shit. Seriously, I, I, said, I, I hold every photo grandpa. of him. Every he, he, every photo of him. That's what it says underneath. No, that. you look like, at this photo I got. You look at the uh, look at the team team photo I have of him, <laughs> me and him, because uh, I, I was training with uh, Chris Silcox. He's um, Tom Holland's uh, stunt double for Spider Man. Um, he came from Cirque du Soleil. Like I said, a lot of people come from that these would make different. A lot of sense. Yeah, come from these different backgrounds. And um, Chris is a great guy. Uh, he can drive the hell out of a car too. Um, great guy. And, um, <clears throat> but if you look at Rick, he's wearing shorts like you see some tourist at Disney World, and this, he's got pot belly, and he just looks like a, this old homeless grandpa kind of figure. That guy can fucking drive the shit out of a car like nobody's business. He started in the business at 19 years of age. He's a Vietnam vet, so he's crazy as hell, but he's just got this lazy, laid back, zen like quality to him. 
He might be on the mountain. Yeah, he's 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 on the mountain in his in his industry. I mean, hell, he had one of his screenplays turn into a movie starring Keanu Reeves called Chain Reaction. Dude sold his first script to Fox for seven hundred and fifty grand. That was the one with Morgan Freeman too, right? Am I thinking uh, of the same one? He is when um, Keanu was a physicist, I believe, I in that movie. Like that I think he was like a, uh, Keanu's everything, dude. I knew it, man. Keanu's the fucking. Man. You know what? I just watched in a hotel. I was in New Orleans with my daughter, and we rented a hotel room, and there was this old movie with Rob Lowe. It was a hockey movie. Yeah. Set. Oh yeah, what a, what a um, first, uh, uh, blood, uh, something, blood, something. Blood, God, it was his name. I, it was God. I can't remember the name of it. Now. Just blood one of those people, man. What a good looking dude. Yeah, Keanu was, shit. Keanu was the goalie in this movie, so he had yep. a mask on the whole time. There was yep. like 10 seconds of Keanu's face, and then he had like a 1970s goalie Is mask. his hair like coming out the whole time? Yeah, I, yeah, it was long, I, can, actually, I remember that yeah. movie. I think that's one of the first movies where I saw a woman's breasts as a kid. Yeah, this was edited for TV. Yeah. So. Yeah, you guys had a much softer childhood. Mine was just straight, <laughs> there was a, straight hardcore porn first time. <laughs> I didn't look it up. I remember the I remember the experiences as a kid seeing seeing breasts for the first time in a movie, thinking, "Wow, I think I just discovered I, I, something." I that, bought. Um, yeah, my moms are just not that great. Yeah, now that I've seen these, <laughs> I bought. No. I bought Clash of the Titans, the movie from like I think it was nineteen seventy nine or something. Oh, the stop animation, the Harryhausen. And yeah, I, the the, I, the claymation, yeah. whatever. And whatever I was like, was. I was so excited to show my daughter. Because it was like the Harryhausen movies like Jason and the Argonauts. I remember as a kid yeah. from watching them on TV. The Argonauts is such a weird looking movie. It's great. But like it's like it's fun. Like it's still like it still holds some sort of special effects water. So I was like, okay, we're gonna watch Clash of the Titans. Now I only saw the edited for TV version, apparently. We put Clash of the We put Clash of the Titans on and it goes through like um I can't remember the name of the hero in it, but he and his mother um his mother's impregnated by Perseus? Zeus. Perseus, thank yes. you. So Perseus and his mother are uh, encased in a coffin and thrown off the right, right. thrown off a cliff into right. the ocean um, because she conceived the child with Zeus and not exactly. uh, her husband. Anyway, the second that they come out of the coffin, I guess she's still alive. I can't remember. It's all vague now. But she immediately starts breastfeeding. So it's just it's just it's just <laughs> like big bare-breasted women for the rest of the movie. And it's fine. I mean, my daughter. Claymation? No, no, no. These are like, <laughs> like real actresses. Okay. And like, it's not a big deal. Like, it's a woman's breast. My daughter was breastfed for however many years of her life. She's but it was, have breasts. She's going to have them at some <laughs> yeah, point. Yeah, it's okay. But it was still that moment of just like, oh, fuck. Like, I now I've got to go through this, this whole conversation. Is like everything that I based my childhood memories of these on are edited for TV. Which well, speaking is no of sexuality. breastfeeding, back to the juicy lift. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's good. That's a good segue. Um, no, Rick, you know, he's been in the business since he was 19. All right. He, he used to scare the shit out of directors with the way he drove. This is before they had rules. This is before they were really, you know, careful on sets and, you know, doing everything. This is when it was cowboy, real seriously cowboy shit. And so he came up with this method of just applying just a little bit of the brake and rigging the emergency brake. And, um, and you got to have the, the, really the proper snap quarter turns and, you know, half turns. And if, if you do too much oversteering, you're going to mess up your camera, your camera shot. You, you're not going to get your money shot the, the way you need on your 90s and your 180s. It's just unreal how well that shit works. Um, you see guys that will come into the business who've never had this training and you look at their work in film looks, doesn't look anything close to what Rick has done and what he, how he trains people how to drive. Um, 
He taught me how to slide a car in between two other cars at 40 miles an hour in 90 degrees. It's, I'm not shitting you. I'd take that damn Corolla out there and I'll slide it in between two cars at 40 miles an hour if you want me to. Uh, y'all can um, film uh, that if be, you want. It'd be really good for my brand. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I mean, t- granted, it's in, it's in a controlled environment, of course. Um, but, I, I would love to see your neighbor's reaction to that. <laughs> like, like dude, we're in your I home would, studio. Yeah, uh, they'd have a different interpretation of me. They already like, dude, because the sweet guy lives next door over here. They're, everybody <laughs> lives next door to me, uh, non-American. Like they're, they've immigrated here. Right. And they're sweet as can be. They've like lived noble lives, all that shit. Like typical um, immigrant story. They're right. so sweet. They look out for you. I mean, this guy over here, one of the sweetest people I've ever fucking met. Dude, he's so fucking sweet. He told me he was Moroccan, right? Every time I see him, it's just like a bundle of joy with this guy, man. So I met a girl that was Moroccan the other day. I was like, you, tell me everything about Morocco because of how sweet this guy was and he's from Morocco. (laughs) So I'm how I am. I'm like this. I'm an eccentric for sure. Like I, people do not believe like the difference uh, polarity of like the things that I do and like there was a burner festival that I got butt naked in and did the headline <laughs> DJ set. Oh my god. And not only did I get butt naked, the groundskeeper dude, the groundsman kept like telling us to turn the volume down and the whole weekend, even if it was lower, like he was just all over the place. He was just full of shit just trying to impart his will. But for the headline set after the whole weekend had happened it's like prime time. This is it. This is like the what we're going to leave the night on. This is going to be like the big old memory of it. And this is after running the stage, building the sound system, dealing with like torrential downpour and us getting through it. So it was like really time to release and just do it. And of course, he drives up. And this guy is like homophobic, misogynistic, etc. Oh, wow. So I had already gotten naked. I was already butt naked <laughs> doing my, oh, my thing. God. And I was like, yo, the guy's like, yo, Marcus coming up, Marcus coming up, or Marco, whatever mm-hmm. the fuck his name is. And I turned to my friend, Daniel. And Daniel's like my ride or die homie. I'm like, Daniel, I need you to get naked and go dance on him. <laughs> <laughs> so I left there butt naked DJ and just throwing the fuck down. Just, just beautiful Damn. techno. Beautiful, beautiful techno. <laughs> these big melodic sounds. I mean, just gorgeous with this nice ass sound system and this beautiful space with these people just having a great time after this long weekend. And uh, the height of Saturday night, Naked all that weekends. Stuff. This guy drives up. Well, it was just us. Drives, everybody, <laughs> everybody else is like, you know, a normal human being. Drives up on his little uh, golf cart thing. He's probably had since like uh, the 90s or something. And Daniel's just out there just shaking his dick. Just <laughs> oh, my on God. Him, on him stopping him so that he can't tell us to turn the sound down <laughs> for like a good 40 minutes. Daniel was doing the helicopter for yes. five minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the guy's like too homophobic to like just deal with it and get to the next part. He couldn't mentally deal with it. So we, we finished the set full volume. Uh, so like that's a story. Like So I live that life a little bit. But then also I'm like... How did this relate to your Moroccan how did, neighbor? How did this on, even go from the juicy on. lift to this? I, this I don't is, even. I don't, I'm, I'm completely lost stuff. now. <laughs> this is important stuff where it's, it's going to circle back around. I okay. Promise. All right. So, um, so like that's one side of me, uh-huh. right? But the other side is like, I am like sexually crazy conservative. Like I'm really, I, I'm very much a sapiosexual. It has to be like a really good conversation, even just romance in general. I don't flirt. You know, I heard that term 
recently. There's a bunch of them that I've never heard before. That I, it was the first time I had, oh. and I consider myself to be, you know, a linguist and very yeah. much on the, um, the, the... Everybody wanted to say cunning linguist. Anybody who was listening to that, as soon as you said Scott, linguist, was this just is, like I cunning. think this is just you, man. <laughs> I'm just like, no. I never, never even came to my mind. But this is back to the point I was going at. Is like, I'm very... It's not that I'm not like a man or anything. I just, I really I want that connection. Yeah. To get to that space, even like flirting or anything, that intellectual like that, I have to connection. really value yeah. this person as a friend, somebody that I think is compassionate, yeah. and then I might flirt. Then I might right. do a few passive things where I don't at all. And it's very like a very distant from today's society. People just meet and fuck. Yeah, like for me, it's just so distant from that, and that's just how I am. Yeah. But I also do this crazy shit. So the polarity of me <laughs> as a person is just all over the place. Like I just. Buck wild, everything in between, too. You're going with the flow. Right. Whatever the situation calls and I feel good about and whatever gotcha. I consider my identity at the time, I guess. But I try to get rid of that. But anyways, so I'm in the middle of this retired dude that built uh, staircases and skyscrapers over here. Sweet as can be. He's like kind of the guy that runs the block type shit. Always right. checking everybody's stuff. Gotcha. The guy over here is sweet immigrant family. Rock and major. Sweet as can be. Right. And then you have me in the middle. This just like absolutely eccentric, odd person. <laughs> but like I'm nice too. It's not like I'm not nice, but that's not the lives they live. Very yeah. reserved comparably. A smaller box for sure. So they already deal with that. If I were to let you go and turn a car 90 degrees into the street <laughs> in the middle of two cars and I'm sitting there filming it and be like, world star, I mean, uh, between two clouds. <laughs> that would just be like too too much. Got you. Right. I'm already too, I'm at the absolute brink. <laughs> well, you know, it's... Um... What about what about flipping a car end over end? No, I think we like gotta do that. Blues Brothers style. Yeah. Like just end over end and then park. Yeah, if no. we don't do that, I don't even know if we care about That's my neighbors. Fine. That one's fine. I, I, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna need to death proof the car before we sure. do that. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna have to be death proof before that. So well, yeah. That the, the, definitely I'm not de- I'm not driving anything that's death proof right now. So you can drive your Corolla <laughs> up to like a ramp and we can edit the footage and then just flip it hot wheels through the air. <laughs> oh, and well, I, you know, and then I you love park. those. Once I get videos. the roll bar into the sixty five Fury, we'll be good. Yeah. You know, we can we can consider where is this that. going to be located oh it's going to be going with you know anywhere you want you can do it anywhere you I'm want saying, like, where do you live oh i live right on the outskirts of hillsborough yeah oh it's so you, oh you're local yeah mm-hmm. oh beautiful yeah so i travel back and forth to california a lot and yeah I'm, i go to wilmington as well because there's there's work Wilmington's here on the east coast there's a man. lot of there's a lot of non-union work here um a lot of indie good indie stuff yeah. man and wilmington has a bunch of good art well one of the reasons why the uh Studios and production companies are coming, have been coming here for a long time. They've been going to uh, Charleston too. Yeah, uh, they get a lot of tax breaks here. Um, they save a lot of money filming in Georgia, filming in Louisiana, filming in North Carolina, Not um, filming, f- filming in uh, South Carolina. Yeah, they they save a ton of money. But uh, California is doing an initiative now where they're trying to bring them back. Um, so they're trying to make it financially viable for them to come back and start, f- you know, filming more in the state. Because they realize that they have lost a huge, huge um, money maker. Money talks, man. It does, and but you know that's why you see a lot of films uh, in Australia and places like that. And it's just, um, you know, it's 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 something that uh, it's much simpler to live here financially. Oh yeah, I used to live in San Diego. Living in California, cost of living is it's extreme. Um, it's it's difficult. It's probably just comes down to I'm 
I'm sure a lot of people would rather live in California. Oh my God, it's, it's because beautiful. That's why it's so expensive. It's, like, it's, it's a fantastic. San Francisco is probably my favorite city in the United States. Um, it's just great. It's like being in another country. It's I've very cosmopolitan. good things. Oh, it's very, it's, it, but it's it, so affluent. It's so affluent. The, it is the most expensive real estate in the United States, without a doubt. Um, and the last time I was there, uh, they actually had a referendum. They were voting on because people were being thrown out of their homes that they had been living in for 25, 30 years because they had been renting space for that long in the city. Right. And the land they already didn't have money. And the landlords keep raising the rent, keep raising. I, I remember walking past this property, it was on California Street. Um, uh, right off of Knob Hill. And I remember walking about this property. It was maybe half acre and it was like a shack of a uh, structure on it. It was going for $2 million. Yeah, probably Two just for the land. $2 million. And it's because it's in the city, of course. And it's, it's right there on that primo um, locality, which is you know adjacent to Knob Hill. And they, most people call it Snob Hill, but um, it's, it's a beautiful city, great food. It has a very Mediterranean vibe to me because you literally have the mountains and the ocean in one view, like something you would see in um, Ephesus or you know, the, you know, the Greek, whatever, whatever uh, great Mediterranean location you want to conjure up. That's the feeling that San Francisco gives me. Um, I, I love it. It's great. Um, it's there's a lot to do. There's a lot to see. Uh, I spent a couple of weeks in San Francisco years ago, and it was beautiful. And I like I've spent mm -hmm. a lot of time. I don't know, weeks. Six weeks or so, maybe in California. Okay, and I like it, but I've never gotten the vibe there socially that I get sort of in the more modest uh, income. I don't know how to say it. The the states that have a more modest income, a lower a lower um, lower GDP. Yeah, California. I've never gotten a really good grasp of people out there socially. I mean, how can you? There's so much to filter through because they have so much access. Yeah. Well, yeah, so uh, one of the things that you see, especially in, in um, Los Angeles, in, in places like North Hollywood and in that area, um, you see you see a lot of tent cities now. Yeah, there there are a lot, and they're really? a lot, and they're also doing um, uh, uh, bungalows and sharing of, of space, renting bunk beds and things like that for thousand dollars a month for Good a bunk Lord. bed, sharing space with like 20, 30 people um, to try and like hostels. Yeah, basically. Um, and, and the like a, and the, like a more permanent hostel. Yeah, pretty much. And that's become very popular in, um, uh, in, in that state. And um, it's because it's really expensive to live in California. And um, I remember, like I said, when I was there last time, they were doing a, a referendum. And I was watching the local news. And one of the city councilmen actually got punched out on the news. Oh, uh, people are just, <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, they, people are pissed. They are extremely. They're they're <laughs> losing their homes that they've been in for for decades because the rent keeps r rising and their income does not meet the demand of yeah. their of their landlords. And it, it's becoming kind of a West Coast phenomenon. Like um, it's insane. Up up into Oregon. When I initially was thinking about moving, I was in New Orleans for four years, yeah. and I really wanted to go to Portland. I've been to Portland before, and I've got a really good vibe off of it. But the cost of living there has gone up exponentially since I was last there. And Seattle, uh, Washington is the same way, and even up into Canada, uh, British Columbia, um, Vancouver. Yeah, uh, Vancouver is, as far as I know, uh, significantly more expensive than California. Really? Yeah. People would. Super people here would. 
people here would not like the gas prices there. I can assure you. No, and, or the housing prices. The cost yeah. of living in Canada is like astronomical really? compared to the United States. Huh. Cost of cost of housing, taxation. We're taxed. Well, I mean, healthcare is. Uh, the healthcare is a huge. But we pay for it in taxes. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Well, um, you got a date? Yeah. I you do. got a date tonight. Hot date? I, I do. Um, White I, vest? I, I'm actually a little excited about this one. Uh, yeah. I have I'm, I'm been kind of apprehensive the last few months. Uh, but the uh, the dates I've been on. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one. Cool. How'd you meet her? You said Hinge? Uh, yeah, Hinge. Mm-hmm. Hinge. Let's give a shout out to Hinge. Let's do, let's Hinge. do that. So you got the Tinder. You got the Bumble. Hinge? Uh, Hinge. <laughs> no, you know, I, did, I, don't, I don't do Tinder. Uh, yeah, but terrible. Did, I'm I just too ugly for it, apparently. <laughs> like when I look in the mirror, I'm like, "You're a pretty, dude." Tinder says otherwise. <laughs> Tinder, Tinder yeah. is the exact opposite of what I see in the mirror. Bumble is the worst. I have I've discovered that Bumble, at least in my other than Match, Match I think was um, Match and Bumble. Match is corrupt. Yeah, Bumble is just something where it, there's good intention there. It's good intention, so you can see yeah. for that. And it's also really good for the. I don't know if you've ever done the BFF one. Or the um the biz the biz oh one's yeah, pretty, yeah 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 the selection the good. choices yeah I still use it for the biz one I, yeah, it's yeah. great to me just random people that are you know the um the 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 lady who started Bumble was also the she was with Tinder she, um, that yeah. sounds yeah she um uh, she had patented some of the um the technology the swiping technology or something and that was oh. like an issue or something with Tinder and mm. and her partner at the time I, I can't remember the whole story I don't know all the details so I don't want to speak out of you know, without the proper knowledge, but no, I just, just remember reading. totally speak out of turn. Yeah, it's just, just totally speak out of. Yeah, just make shit up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to swipe with your dick. That's the <laughs> oh only way it'll work. I, I tell you, I have. I was really surprised. This was supposed to be a, a feminist website. It was supposed to be empowering to women. And which website? Bumble. And yeah. I can remember, I had this one girl. She was in her early twenties, and she was beautiful. I'm not gonna lie, she was beautiful. She was blonde. She. <laughs> One of the first things she sent me, it was one of the few thing, few things that I got, few responses I got, was a video of her having sex with somebody else. I'm thinking, wow, sure. I'm thinking, okay, um, this is going to be our introduction. <laughs> did, did you just respond with a thumbs up? Here's I didn't the thing know. is, me and you are different. If, I, if she sent me that, I'd be like, fucking yeah, opportunity. Now, what is that opportunity? I ask if I can watch next time, <laughs> and not even for any sexual reasons. I just want so that to... you can you can video it next time. No, no, no. I would just sit there just with, a, with a monocle. <laughs> I'd oh, bring that's a, good. I'd the Colonel the Colonel Clink monocle. Is that what you're talking about? The I, yes. The, I'd bring from a Hogan's stool. Heroes, yeah. I'd have like I'm really dating myself. Yeah, you know, maybe that, nipple way. clamps. You know, maybe. <laughs> oh my God. Not even not even because I'm into it. I would just want to. <laughs> no, no, no. You have to be in like full tuxedo. Like you have to be like full tuxedo, like, so just really prepared, and so I'll be like, I'm honored for this opportunity, <laughs> and then uh, adjust my monocle and just sit there and just clap afterwards. Well done. Like start crying midway through, like like it's a really good movie or something. They're like, it's like, yeah, take that bitch. She's like, yeah, daddy. I'm like, oh my goodness. She's talking about family. <laughs> you know, with Hinge, one one of the things about wait, Hinge. Wait, 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 wait. Did you go out with her? Oh, no, no, no. I didn't go out with her, no. What, what happened to the conversation? How was I, the I, yeah. I eventually deleted our connection. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, but, but Hinge, shout out to Hinge. Hinge. is actually pretty decent. Hinge like, is great. I, I will say human. this. 
I did come across this one girl's profile and it was hilarious. You see her first picture and then you scroll down because they let you put like a 30 second video clip on oh, your profile. Yeah. That's pretty they're the cool. Only, they're the only dating app that I know that's that allows cool. to do that. And people will download um, videos from their Instagram page or whatever. Right. And I I scrolled down from her picture and the first video I saw of her was her having sex with somebody. I was oh like, my what God. the? What in the hell is wrong with people? <laughs> um, There's maybe nothing wrong with her. Uh, that's just 100% what she's into. Right. That's, that's the thing though is she might be just like living like she wants to. If maybe her intentions are like, yo, this is me fucking. Yeah. Uh, this person can't be here all the time. He has a job. You know, I have I actually had invitations times. from people who are in committed relationships. I'm in a committed relationship, but I still want to fuck you. Those are tough. Yeah, dude. But people are, uh, I mean, here's the those thing, are, though. Those are tough invitations. Cause, yeah. Because like, like on one hand, like the animal is sort of like the tiger is in the cage. And the right. tiger okay, wants to I'll come out. Okay, I'll steal that. Right, right. And then, then as soon as like you have that moment of like self-reflection of like, yes. I'm thinking my parents, ra- my parents raised yeah. me better than this. I, I, I need to restrain myself. I need to refrain oh my myself God. from this opportunity. This, but this that tiger is loud and his claws are <laughs> sharp as fuck. That tiger's like, yeah, fuck that guy's wife. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm a very monogamous person. So I. Hopefully he's in the closet watching. Well, I, I myself am a very monogamous person and. I've had people that have cheated on me, so I, I just I steer away from right. I steer That's away how from I am that. too. Is I just recognize it like romantically. I just care. Yeah, I just care, and I care. I care quickly. Yeah, and do, I do and for good the, reason. Do you see the tear? There's a tear coming down. <laughs> his cheek. Oh my god! A tear coming down my cheek and so one down my back. Yeah. Oh, it's going down your back. Mm. <laughs> you have scoliosis. It's, cir- right. it's circling around his neck and down the down his spine. Now, yeah, this is giving me speak. it's giving me tingles. <laughs> uh, Beyond the same way, yeah. very much so. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I would love to have like a good friend that we knew we weren't like a partner by any means, but we could share that space. Like that would be really beautiful to experience. Mm. Uh, somebody I could be like sexual with and still be like a really good friendship. That'd be cool. Friends with benefits, kind kind of, but more, but a little bit more but, in depth. Yeah, it's not like just this vicious thing. It's more like we could share that space mm-hmm. and recognize that we're still not partners by any means, but still share right. that space. I think it's at least for me quite helpful. Well, people do have those relationships. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't, I don't judge absolutely. any, I don't judge anybody that has them. If that's what you want, if that's what makes you right. happy, as long as it's consistent to you. Right, right, right. If it's, if that's what is good for you, then that's what's good for you. For me personally, I'm I'm very much, I'm I'm the I'm that guy that loves the old school chivalry. Yes, I can joke around, I can crack jokes here and tell you about some of the bad dates I've had and, and things like that, and and it may even come off as misogynistic to some some of your listeners. I hope it doesn't. Yeah. That's not my intent. That date, that date but was genuinely, sexy. That date genuinely was fuck those fuck. people. Yeah. If anybody's listening and you get upset at any of this, is that's a you problem? <laughs> Work on you. Yeah, that's true. That's your self identity, right? Right. But um, deal with your own shit. Deal, I, deal with it. And then we can talk. I like something that's passionate. Yeah, I, I want. I want something that's passionate. But if I'm with somebody, I'm with that person. Um, it just makes it easier, man. Yeah. And and awesome. if you're going to be with somebody else, you need to be with someone else, and you need to say, "Hey, I want to be with somebody else. I'm not going to try to keep you on the side." Uh, I think honesty and transparency in a relationship is what yeah. is the good foundation of a relationship. And I used to think. That everybody I dated was looking for the same thing, right? They're they're not, right? And they're it's not. cool to 
tell people like, hey, this is what I am looking for. Yeah. Once it's appropriate, once an appropriate conversation, you know, what are you looking for? Right. Because if those things don't align, you could have the best chemistry, best setup, best everything, but you're yeah. going to have this idealized thing in your head because you didn't put that on the table. Right. And then it ends up in shambles. I mean, I've had multiple situations. Yeah. Uh, even this year, somebody that we had an intense connection well, on many levels, and it didn't work out because I was super honest. Yeah. And I was like, hey, this is where I'm at. This is the things I struggle with. You know, this is what I need. And then the one thing that I asked for, hey, I need this, that person did the exact opposite. And it just ruined all the beautiful things. Yeah. And it's important that both sides need to be right there with it. Whether it's somebody that's like, hey, I'm just trying to... If some, if some girl was like, I was even into, it was like, I'm just trying to sleep with you. Yeah. But we had a good enough connection. It's like, okay, can I meet her halfway there? Can it be a good thing good for me too? We live in a weird world, man. Yeah. Well, and it's meeting that halfway. Meeting that halfway is a hard yeah. one. I mean, because you're just not going to get I everything was, you want. And, and I'm not even like I'm, I don't even mean that as a judgment of somebody else. Like my like I've been alone for a while, so like my my interaction now trying to meet halfway is hard. Like that's like that's a hard leap to make when you've sort of lived not a self indulgent but like a, like yeah. a self obsessed lifestyle for a while. Really just grow like you. yeah, you really grow. Well, as a person. I, I think honesty. It, it, it can be that double-edged sword too. It, it can serve you well, can also um, screw you as well. Oh my God, yes. Yeah, all the time. I, all the time. I, uh, I got contacted by this one girl on Hinge. Her name was Aubrielle. Um, they only give you the first name at first. Aubrielle. And, Beautiful name. Oh yeah, it was great. Beautiful name. I'm taking you. Shout out to her parents. Aubrielle's parents, y'all crushed that. Oh wait, Aubrielle? Aubrielle. Oh, what a beautiful oh, name. Nice. Yeah. yeah, she was, I'm not kidding you, she was gorgeous. It, she, she looked like she was a, I don't know. Uh, Wait, was, was she blonde? No, she had like a. Uh, I was just trying to nail you down for a type. Uh, it was kind <laughs> of. A, yeah. I, knew you, I knew you were doing. You would be surprised. Most of it. the women I've been in relationships with have been dark haired. Oh yeah. really? Yeah. I've dated a few actresses and a, a couple of producers. There was this one producer. Oh dear God. Oh my God. She was crazy. Um, <laughs> she she actually. I kid you not. She said, we could be a power couple. This is what she told me. I said, first oh my, of all, you oh, have to I have some that. power. I don't have any power. You're the only person that has the power. Um, I only have this substandard penis <laughs> that I drive really well. You know, I've actually told women, I said, look, hey. I'm, I, I can slide this penis at a 90 degree <laughs> angle no through two idea. cars. I had this, I had we this don't one have to be in the same room. I had this one producer. She she was a producer on independent films and things like this. And she she said, um, and she she had a lot of money. I I, I will not exaggerate. She had a lot of money. And uh, I only went out with her as I thought as a friend. Sure. She wanted more. Yeah. I can remember her telling me just as plain as day. You know, you could just come and live with me. You can drive my cars. We can be a couple, and we will be a power couple. Same person. Yeah. I was like, she wanted you to be her toy. Yeah. Exactly. 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 And I, you know, I told her, I said, well. That's not a power couple. That's somebody who just wants to. Exactly. Die. That's uh, me being that's your, fine. that's Yo. not me being yeah. a power couple. That's me being the pool boy. Yeah. So. <laughs> within, within two or three weeks, within two or three weeks, you'd wake up chained. <laughs> exactly. Like literally physically. I would be chained. that guy in the well from Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd be, you know, you know, the, the the chick that was in the excuse me for using chick, I know that's not progressive. Um I'd be the 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 one that it's was in the well uh in silence of the lambs. 
I just I just assume you're talking about Buffalo Bill. I don't even remember. Yeah, who Buffalo was Bill there. had his victim down yeah, in the I'm well. Just, I'm just in the, Buffalo anyway, Bill with his penis tucked. Yeah, um, you were Buffalo Bill. <laughs> yeah, that's how she had you. It was just like yeah. Matthew, tuck your penis back. Yeah, exactly. Um, Put these chains on. Get in the well. Yeah, eventually have, she'd like have you sleep with her friends just for her amusement. Like I guess. Like yeah, exactly. Um, I I've been on some crazy dates, but this girl Aubrielle from Hinge, you know, she she gorgeous. I she was twenty five. All right, all right. I know that's a bit young for me, considering my age. Um, You're 27. That's gross. Yes, I'm 27. No, no. That Matthew, that's I'm 27. Yeah, you're, no. dis- you're disgusting. I, I am. I'm, I'm disgusting. Yeah, I'm, for- I'm 47. So I know she. Yeah. So um, you got 20 years on me, man. Yeah, 20 years. But you could have kept the age back, and that joke would have just been. I'm like, honest fine. to a damn fault. Yeah. I tell everybody. How am I, how am I already funnier than you, man? Well, no, you know, she asked me, she was very point blank, and I, I told her I would love to get to know you, and she, she responded a few times, and then she said, all right, is, is the fact that you want to get to know me so you can get into my pants, or do you really want to get to know me? She said that. Fair question. Yeah. Fair I like, question. I think that's a great thing It's a fantastic question. I said, that's great. It gives me an opportunity to ex- explain myself and express, hey, exactly. this is where I'm coming from. Exactly. And here's a video of me having sex. And so... Sorry. <laughs> 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 Oh my God. Um, I'm sorry. So I sent her back three paragraphs, three paragraphs as as being the writer that I am. I I don't think most people are used to communicating with me and the kind of person I am on these dating sites because I don't answer with just one line sentence. No, your your texts are like half a page. Yeah, no, Scott will tell tell you my texts are pretty involved. They're pretty detailed. no, I, these texts. <laughs> I'm a I'm a I'm a writer too. I, I'm not just you know behind the wheel. That's how you express yourself. It's your value. Yeah, and um, so I sent her three paragraphs, and they were you know pretty. So I explained to them my parentage, you know how my parents raised me. This oh, is yeah, not what it, so. And next thing I know, whoop, she's gone. Yeah. Oh, she left. She's she gone. gone. Yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, you went. So I that's so sweet that you did that. I I value that you did that, right? So that was, it was, that was too much. It, it is too much. Yeah. And not in a bad way, dude. I think it's beautiful that she asked you a question like that yeah. and you said, Let me express myself so you know where I'm coming from. Yeah. It's not that way for this reason. It's just really not. Yeah. And you know, here's why. So do you have the information to make an informed decision to recognize this? Exactly. Case? But that's not how romance works, dude. Uh I've I've learned the hard way, man. There's there's a reason I don't do these dates anymore. I, I can't even say that. I'm probably about to go on a date pretty soon. Uh, probably multiple you're very multiple optimi- different you're women. Very optimistic. <laughs> it's definitely coming. It's definitely no, there's there's multiple there's people I've met recently. I'm like shit. I would this might be a cool conversation. It's really talented girls yeah. that I think are cool. But anyways, besides the point, Hooper. 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 <laughs> Hooper did it for you. That's a Hooper gotcha did it for me. Yeah. That inspired you to. All the way back. Uh, yeah. Hooper, you know, watching that as a kid. The next day, I was out jumping off my ro- the roof of my parents' house. So, I was jumping bicycles off of ramps. I was, I was jumping out of the swing at school during recess, doing everything I could. You to, just kept doing that. Yeah. You just kept doing it. Kept doing as it. you age, you kept yep. getting there. So, yeah. and, you know, I focused on my writing career. Um, for the most part, because that was the thing that was bringing in money. That was the thing right. that was um, more consistent, stable. Was, yeah, and that's the thing that got me, you know, my first agent. 
you know, gotcha. and, and one thing led to another and I started meeting people in the business, uh, you know, cause there's a lot of, uh, cross pollen, you know, people coming from different sides of the entertainment. <laughs> I caught myself uh, coming across the, uh, I knew that was going to be a pun somewhere. So, um, there's a lot of people coming across the, uh, you know, the aisle, so to speak, from the entertainment industry into the publishing, like my agent, Peter, he represents people like Brian Cox, the character actor who you've seen him in a lot of movies, yeah, okay. the Jason Bourne movies. He, he played Argyle, Uncle Argyle in the, um, Braveheart movie, so forth. Yeah. Um, yeah. he's a great actor, great, um, uh, British actor, I believe. And, um, Peter, uh, he represents them on the literary side of things and he, Okay. Represented Mariel Hemingway, uh, which was, I think she was granddaughter of Ernest Hemingway. She was a big time oh, what, actress what a name in the to 80s. Have if you want to be a writer. Exactly. Last name's Hemingway. You're well, she was, a, she was a very successful actress in the 80s and early yeah. 90s and stuff. Um, I, I don't think she does much anymore. I, I know nothing about her. But um, yeah, I've been able to meet people on, on both. I actually had the opportunity to sell the film rights to my first book, Wayfarer, to 20th Century Fox back in 2007, but it all fell through. Um, a, Ralph, a lot of them do. Oh yeah, absolutely, all the time. And just because someone options um, the rights to your book or to your screenplay or whatever, doesn't mean it will get made. Right. Hey, at least Which, you're getting paid. Yeah, but a lot of times people can option it for a very small yeah, sum. It's pretty tiny. People make. don't always make the millions of dollars that people. Right. Yeah. And but sometimes something is something. Yeah. It's something is it. something is better than nothing, without right. a doubt. Most things you make, they'll just sit there. I, I right now have guaranteed four or five tracks sitting on my laptop that major labels would sign immediately. But I just don't do the rest of the work to put it out, which that's going to be like my next year project is really right. do that. But right. right, if I just did that, even if it doesn't go anywhere, it's something. Yeah. As opposed to just yeah. sitting there. And I have learned that, and I don't, and I don't think this is necessarily um, my definition of nepotism. I think it really is who you know. Oh, absolutely. And that's that's and that's an and old if they adage. Like you. That isn't. Yeah, if they like you, it's it's an old adage. Uh, my definition of nepotism is what I see is when a producer or a publisher gives something to somebody that has no fucking talent, that has absolutely no credibility, they haven't paid any dues, they haven't done shit um, to get what they got. Um, and then you have somebody else over here that's working their ass off and they're sending in their, their portfolio, they're sending in their headshots or they're sending in their material, they're whatever it is they're the, doing. The right way. And they're, yeah, they're trying to, they're trying to play by the rules. Um, it's still about who you know, even when yeah. you play the rules. If you don't have a good agent, nobody's going to listen to you. But there's it's going to be point. hard. It's yeah. going to be hard in my, in my side of the business, especially with publishing. Selling yourself is, it's hard, man. It's very hard. It's, it's very hard. Like and there are times where I've had to do my agent's job for him. And because I felt like he wasn't doing his job. It's like when, with the whole William Morris Endeavor thing. William Morris Endeavor is like trying to break into fucking Fort Knox to get them to look at anything that isn't stellar, that isn't huge, that isn't um, already have a name attached to it. Um, so, I mean, my agent and I, we had a conference call with Rick uh, on Friday. Uh, and Rick is, uh, again, the, the guy, stunt, stunt guy, yeah, the stunt guy. guy. He's actually collaborating with me on the screenplay adaptation. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that you have that personal yeah. connection with him. It's yeah. beautiful. You get to experience like being the kid yeah. and then growing up and, and being this connection to your idol. Essentially. This goes back to Hooper because yeah. in Hooper, Burt Reynolds is the stunt 
is the stunt master who's mentoring Jen, Jen, yeah. uh, uh, Jan's character, Jen, by, uh, Michael Vincent. It. He's mentoring the young stunt guy to, yeah. to, you know, basically bring him up into the, even though the young guy is competing against Bert right. uh, in the movie. I feel like I'm actually getting to live that movie now. Dude, isn't that so beautiful, your life? Most people don't yeah. get to experience that. You know, it's been a long journey, man. I've been training for a long time, and I've, you know, with the writing and the books and stuff. I mean, I originally had a seven book deal with my, my first, I had a, a contract for seven, seven books. Seven books, Jesus. And Peter got me out okay, of it because of everything I was going through. This was with the first, yeah. Yeah. You told me this. Story. The, I, Sorry. I, I had so many books that were, were selling overseas. And I was not seeing any of it in my royalty reports. And one of the other authors that was uh, contracted by that house had to actually sue that publisher for their royalties. He had sold over a million books. This guy, this guy had a huge uh, niche in the market. And um, so, it's it, it's a tough business. It's a rough business. And the connections you make and the people that are representing your best interests, you need to have people you can rely on. And trust. And trust. Yeah. And, and meeting Rick and, 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 and collaborating with him on this project. And he has a, write, a writing partner. partner um, his first name is Arnie. I can't think of his last name. But he's represented by ICM, one of the, one of the biggest talent agencies in the business. What does ICM stand for? Uh, God, you, if you had not asked me, I would have been able to tell you, damn, I can't even think of it. Uh, it's, creative, it's my uh, fault, apparently. Um, ICM, they're one of the big, yeah, they're fuck, one of the big agencies. You, Matthew, um, you for, for bringing that up. You just, my brain just went blank. <laughs> no, but, I'll um, take it. I'll, I'm going to go, I'll go beat myself later for it. Um, I'll punish myself. No, no, no. It's <laughs> like WME. They're the merger of, of okay. companies. Um, they're William Morris Endeavor. Um, and CAA and people like that. Um, creative artist agency, people like that. Um, Can I segue out with like sort of a different, like sort of along the same lines? Yeah, sure. You're at at a point right now where you're kind of seeing things, maybe not necessarily click, but you have direction. Yes. Yeah. At what what point, because I'm sort of, I'm sort of in that weird, that weird fog right now of I've been in one industry for about a decade. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't necessarily. I'm not getting the feedback that I want from it. That it's is, a tricky transition. Well, it hasn't been as rewarding. It has. It's not that it hasn't been rewarding. It's just it's not. It's not speaking to me in a way that says this is the one that one, you. That, right. that, that, this it's is not the like place that you're visceral supposed to be. feeling. Yeah. It's not like that foundation feeling. Yeah, now, it's a little bit scary. At, um, at, what, at what point did you start? Did you start getting the hint of like, okay, I need to, because you've been doing the writing for a while and you're screenwriting still. Mm-hmm. But at what point did you get that sort of like? That, um, that pivot moment, that that where pivot, you could confidently that, pivot, that, that instinct to go like, I got to go to LA and I got to talk to Rick because there's a reason that I have to do this. Well, after training for so long and doing stuff here and auditioning for stuff in different lots of places, non-union stuff, and trying to get work here, trying to get work there, um, I got to the point. I grew up with basically gasoline in my in my blood. Okay. I think that's um, my, illegal. I've been around. Yeah, I've been around racetracks. I and, also own ten percent of that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I grew up around fast cars and racetracks because of my dad. Um, my dad has been building cars from the ground up since before I was born. So dude, this explains why, how exactly how you look, dude. Like, <laughs> oh my goodness, born and bred how you look. Okay, it's amazing. Well, you know, my dad is seventy years old, and he still has a head of black hair, and he does. Yeah, it. he does I'm not. Sure, he, he does. He does I'm not sure. use any freaking hair. I'm thinking, fuck, yeah, fuck yeah. 
Yeah. I got, I've, I've got at least 30 more years. <laughs> yeah, nice. yeah I've, I've, got, um, I've got the Nicolas Cage receding right now. Which <laughs> you, is do. Like, you do, you do. You get the Nick Cage thing going, man. Which is it's sexy. I accept it, but it's like, fuck, the it's The best there. interviewer hey, man, ever, Nick Cage the is the man. Or so interviewee. Own it, own it. But yeah. no, um, I grew up around this stuff, and um, you know, and, and working on this car with my dad, uh, the stunt car with my dad, and and just being able to share these things with him, um, and and seeing them start to come together. Um, again, mm. the the main character in my new book is a centuries old Hollywood stunt man. He's everything I've ever wanted to write about because he incorporates and encapsulates. All the great heroes of literature, comic books, film, theater. You know that um, Joseph Campbell's Hero with a Thousand Faces? Heroes That's Spirit basically Day. the conceit behind this. Um, he goes back to the time of Christ, but he's not immortal. No, no, no. He can die. He can be killed. He's not a vampire. He's none of that bullshit. He is this. He can very, just time travel. No, he's just, he's just very hard to kill. And I compare him to how Moses didn't age when Moses stood in the light of God. And he's just very unfiltered. He says what's on his mind. He's been behind the scenes. He's seen the shit in Hollywood. He's Dave Chappelle. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's actually good. Hey, that's a good. That's a good. That's a that's a that's a, that's a good um, uh, reference. Um, he just doesn't. He doesn't give a shit. He says what he wants to say. He's been around. He's lived through it all. He has. He has seen more than his share of bullshit. And he calls it like he sees it. He, maybe it, he that, talk, maybe it, that's a bit of you. Maybe like maybe that's a bit I've of got, you. It was having, a lot. I'll be honest with you. It, it was very cathartic. Or what you aspire to be. Yeah. The exactly. goal for yourself. Huck is, Huck, Huck is the guy. He, he is my mouth. It's like your superhero, your superhero yes. version of yourself. Exactly. If I was a superhero, if I was on that level of myself, yep. this is who I'd be. Exactly. Yeah. And he has been the mouthpiece for me to say everything that I've ever wanted to say about this business, oh, everything beautiful. I've ever wanted to say about publishing, everything I've ever wanted to say about literary agents, everything I've ever wanted to say about the snobs from the Ivy League who run the publishing business, everything about the film business, all the people who say yes, 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 yes to your face and then stab you in the back yeah, afterwards. A lot of that. And getting to collaborate with Rick, who has been in the business since 1967, and who has seen and done and learned from everybody in the business who is anybody. And he's still there. And he's still there. He's still there. He's still kicking ass. He's still teaching people how to drive. You go on YouTube, you can see him training Vin Diesel yeah. for the Fast and Furious movie. And and it's just great. Well, not all of his projects were a success, you know? Yeah, exactly. You know, Vin Diesel's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go there. We won't, we won't go there. We won't go there. But um, no, to see somebody like Rick, it's really like, Living my favorite, you know, one of my favorite movies, Hooper. It's like living the dream. Well, you did the work, man. That's yeah. cool that it has now become so, rewarding. Yeah, it's um something I'm very grateful for. And I'm grateful for the opportunity to you two guys to, to talk about it and to share yeah. it with the audience. So I like hearing about it. Yeah, I think <laughs> I, li I like hearing about beach ball. Beach ball <laughs> it's funny. Dude, you know, what's funny is so this is the, the second one we've done. Okay. So this is like the, the offshoot of the other one, like the inspiration from the other podcast and creating this space, to like have conversations like these where right. we start at the top. The last one, too. The last one, too. I think the first the first line, <laughs> he says something about masturbating or penis or something that's totally okay. childish and right, just whatever. Right, right. So it's funny that that's what happened last time. <laughs> and it ended up. And a really beautiful ending. 
going on about a what is it like the self I think it's another self-identification no, process. This, this was, I think this Same was, thing, very this similar. was about identity. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think all of them will be. Uh, yeah. But it's cool that we started with that, like the beach ball story. <laughs> and then we ended in, I think very quickly after that, we've had such a beautiful conversation yeah. about many things. Yes, all many things. Yeah, I think sometime, I think sometime in the future, come back and we'll talk about Absolutely. more stuff for like maybe like six months or something. Like Absolutely. That. Be a really to. good timeline. I would love to. Well, cool. Absolutely. That's it. Uh, Let's end it there. I would love to so spell out your name where if people want to like keep up with you, is there anything where they can? Well, you know, I don't do a lot of the traditional social media. Yeah. Um, I do iStunt.com, SFAD, um, and I have my author page on Amazon, of course. Are you on IMDB? Um, I did the IMDB Pro page, but I've since I'm retooling it. Okay, uh, I'm retooling. I took down most of my photos and I'm retooling and putting different stuff up. Okay, now. Pe- people can find you on Bumble. Oh uh, yeah, him. people can find me on Bumble. <laughs> yes, people can find me on Bumble. Oh, dear God, um, no, I don't do a lot. I don't do the Instagram, the Facebook, um, or Twitter. Yeah, uh, and my agent has. Do you recommend Instagram? My it's... agent has a little bit of issue with that. Uh, really? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't want me to um, to ignore these things too much longer. Yeah, he he. Um, and I'm the kind of guy. I'm not really great at self promotion. Yeah. Um, to the point. I mean, I can to a degree. I go to book signings or I go to a library and speak, and I've done that many times. Okay. I'll go to a church and even speak. I don't think most churches will have me speak nowadays, but <laughs> um, because I'm a little bit different. I'm, a, I'm, I'm way out yeah, here. Yeah, Jesus motherfucker. Yeah, man. I'm the, I'm the guy that who's... That would be such a good intro to a speech at like a church. Oh, yes. You know, Let me tell you about Jesus the ass kicker. Yeah. You know, it's that kind of, this, that kind of approach. Um, but it's... It's genuine. Oh my! Oh my! <laughs> Did you hear what he said? <laughs> oh good lord! The devil risen. Has the devil risen? Um, but no, I, I just try to, I try to be genuine in how I promote myself, and I find it really hard to, you know, keep sending, you know, this. These are my bona fides. This Look at image. me, kind of thing. Yeah, without the flaws. It's and all it's that. it's a hard thing to do because okay, where do I draw the line at good taste and? Um, self-aggrandizing um, bullshit. Very difficult. <laughs> so you know, you know, I, ha- I have people tell me that Instagram, like you just said, is it's, it's a, a good, little bit more honest. M- more honest. Um, you just just post a few pictures of things that you're doing. Yeah, you know? and I and I, I know I'm going to have to start doing that, especially with this new book and with everything that's going on with it's Rick. It's generational too, though. Yeah, like I'm right yeah. on the cusp between both of you age-wise, so yeah. it's like I'm sort of right in the middle. And I hate it. Like I hate doing it. I'm but not like, a fan of it. It has become like, time. I'm, I'm aware that I, it, I'm supposed. I, my to. my time is so consumed yeah. with everything that's going on right now. Yeah. I'm practicing. <laughs> I went over to my. Um, this is a funny story, and I'll tell you real quick. I know you got to go. Um, my my parents had this really long driveway, and I went over to see see my parents. And it's this um, concrete driveway, and there's a little sidewalk here, and then there's a little um, parking partition that's connected to it. And I said to myself, I need to practice a little bit. So I'm, I'm on my uh, Chevy Blazer. And uh, so I pull up, I pull past the driveway, and I go down backwards at 30 miles an hour because it's a really long drive. I'm going, whew, and my mom's car is parked there in front of their garage. And so I just floor it. And I see my depth. I'm looking for my depth. And I, and I know this driveway pretty well. And I know where my depth is. And I know where I need to turn it. I need to do the snap turn. I slid that thing right into the little parking petition like it was nothing. It was fun. <laughs> shit. And my mom said, what's going on out there? 
just parking, Mom. Got you. I'm here. <laughs> no, it was um, just an opportunity. If I see an opportunity to, to practice a little bit, I will. Um, yeah, you, it's, you gotta be that little kid again. Yeah, it's it's funny. Uh, Your whole family is 100% the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> like, sure? From running moonshine to like if, driving I'm stunts. I'm trying to meet your sister. I'm gonna be honest with you if that's the case. I, I don't have a sister, man. I got a brother. I'm sorry. And I'm, and I'm oh, gonna man. tell you, he does not look good in Daisy Dukes. I'm just gonna tell you that oh, now. Man. <laughs> yeah, if, if I'm gonna switch the switch teams, I gotta be rocking yeah. those Daisy Dukes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, my my dad's funny. He he he's the one who's always had the the lead foot, and now uh, I'm the guy that's um, scaring the shit out of him. So <laughs> he used to scare the shit out of us in the car. Now I'm the one scaring them. So that's rad. Full circle. Full circle. Yep, full circle. So so what was your name again? So that if you do make these things, they could find you. <laughs> Matthew Dickens. And then like D I C K E N S. Like Charles Dickens. Yeah, D I C K E N S. Is that your actual last name? Yes, that good, is dude, my real your name. Your life was just set up for you. It's <laughs> a good right? For real, everything you're doing was like your dad's like loves cars, shares that with you. Right. Last name Dickens, writer, stuntman. I, yeah. That's cool, man. It's, you know, God has, a great thing. Sense, God has a great sense of humor. That's the way I look at it. He says. Yeah, sadistic sometimes. But. Hey, you know, he, you know, <laughs> see that fool right there? That's my fool. That's the way you know. That's the way I think God looks at me. That's my fool right there. So right, he's cool with you, but he just <laughs> yeah. lets you know where you're at too. Exactly. Well, cool. So that was Matthew Dickens. He's a writer, he's a stuntman, uh, doing things, working with the legendary Rick Seaman. Rick, Rick Seaman. Seaman. Oh, we should n- mention your book. Fucking yeah, like, it's, oh, called, it's called it's called Hucked. Um, H u c h u c k e d exclamation point. Um, not question mark. Now yeah. is this is this Hucked. already out? We have it at Random House right now, and it's going through editorial. Okay, and cool. um, I'm actually making a few little tweaks and changes because of what I'm doing yeah, with Rick. Yeah, of course. Um, and he's given me some technical advice and stuff on things that I didn't know personally because this guy, again, like I said, he's like this living fountain of information. Right. Of oh, what, the business. What was your other book? Your, your one before oh, that? Oh, Wayfair. You can still what, get money off of that. Yeah. Well. We, Peter and I, and I told you that story about, yeah, and I won't tell it now because I know we got to close, but it's a great story. Peter is this British Jewish guy. He's both British and Jewish, so it's a fucking perfect combination to have as an agent. He's, he's, he's just brutal, but he's also funny as shit. Um, but he, um, he got the rights back to Wayfarer. Okay. And, um, and to everything that's associated with that. So I have the ability to sell the film rights to that and sell the comic book rights, whatever nice. rights I and want Wayfair to. Wayfair is in like W-A-Y-F-A-I-R-E-R? Wayfair. Way-F-A-R-E-R. Mm-hmm. Wayfair. Okay, Wayfarer. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, Wayfair. So Wayfair, it's, a book by Matthew Dickens, and then coming and up is Hucked. Hucked. Yep. So where could you find these? Like, is Amazon a great spot for it? Amazon's a great spot for it. You used to go to because Wayfair came out so long ago. Right. Wayfair came out, God, two thousand four. Um, yeah. And so it used to be in Barnes and Noble and Books a Million. We actually had a, a campaign for it. We had a part one promotional um, that you can still find online as well. That had like the first three chapters of the book yeah. that sold in Books a Million. I think we had like five thousand copies printed of that that sold for a buck to promote the book before it came out. Um, you can actually still still find some of those online. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember I had a one book, a limited edition called Magnus that was produced, and it 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 sold pretty decent. But for some reason, there are people selling copies of that book for fifteen hundred dollars, and I don't understand why. It's good. 
You have a box of them? Fucking sell them for fifteen hundred. I couldn't. I, I don't even have any copies of it left. I, my parents have a couple of copies left, but I don't even have any copies because I gave yeah, all go mine steal away. Steal your parents just for all time's sake. <laughs> let's petition. Let's petition <laughs> yeah. them right now to to get them back to the original. But I I, yeah. I saw this one guy, a couple of guys actually selling it for like fifteen hundred dollars. Why? Why? I'm nobody. Why are you selling this for fifteen hundred bucks? This He's makes no sense. Dickens name, man. <laughs> I guess. But um, you're like Muriel Hemingway. Yeah. Yeah. Grandfather, grandson. Well, I just generations removed. <laughs> not so direct. You're the, you're the grandson of Charles Dickens. <laughs> I, I like not no, great, just grandson. I have of Charles. no idea. It it could it could be. No, let's just say it. let's just say that right now and it, yeah, and it, it exists. I own ten percent of that too. <laughs> yeah. Matthew Dickens. <laughs> Love mercy and kicking ass. Yeah. Love mercy and kicking ass. I believe, yeah. I believe you're entitled to ten percent of all the rights of Charles Dickens. Yeah, everything. Ma- right. This Matthew. Between right. two clouds gets five. Well, between between you getting ten percent and my agent getting twenty percent, that you know I'm fucked. Yeah, seventy percent is good. It's still passing. <laughs> well, yeah, you're talking about you're talking about a, of a very small percentage. Yeah. of a very right, Scott. Remember, I got it. <laughs> Scott cool. knows this very well as the comic book guy. Too well. Yeah. Too well. Anyways, this has been Matthew Hahn or Between Two Clouds. This has been Scott Kowalczyk, GhostwriterX.com, Between Two Clouds.com, but B E T W E E N the number two clouds.com. Then Matthew Dickens that you can look up his book Wayfarer that came out in two thousand four, and his book that's be coming up soon called Hucked. And find him on Hinge. Find, <laughs> find him on Hinge, and uh, you know send him some videos of you fucking on people. I think that's, <laughs> that's end of there. All right, hope you guys enjoyed.